Can you move the microphone closer to your mouth? Sure. No problem. Like up more. Is that better for you? Actually, that's amazing. Yeah, well, I'm not going to fucking do that because I can't read my notes. Um, there's all, there's one moment that I noticed. Uh, I guess going in. Anyways. There's one moment. Oh, my God. One moment I noticed that... Uh, fucker. Yeah, I don't know what I'm saying. You said there's one moment. Yeah, I know. Okay. I wasn't making fun of you for the one moment. No, it just really threw me off. Oh, sorry. And welcome to Cinephilia, the podcast. Episode number... 43. 43. 43. Last time I said 41. I was wrong. And I went with it. Oh, well. Anyways, who cares? Uh, I'm Michael Gaddy. I'm Trevor. I feel like it's been forever since we recorded. I'm sure it's not that long ago, but it's been since Valentine's Day, since the <clears> last <throat> episode went online, and that was a week ago yesterday. So yeah, it has been a while. It has been a while. Uh, how was your Valentine's Day? It was good do you agree tressa yeah damn i don't think we did yeah we obviously did did something spectacular yeah very memorable no um we're not people that do things on valentine's day because Mm -hmm. everyone has that idea so generally we do things um beforehand yeah and we had a nice weekend that's good Yeah. yeah we went and saw irreversible again i took her yeah. She loved it. Cartwheels. <laughs> Not cartwheels this time. Huh. Backflips. <laughs> she was just no, she was just stomping her feet and clapping her hands like she was at a Mumford and Sons <laughs> concert. <laughs> That's good. Uh... Don't cry, it's all right. But yes, it was. How was your? Um, how was Thank your? You, I was waiting for <laughs> of course, you were waiting. <laughs> Just sitting here going, "Will he ask?" Uh, it was good. We went to the LA Zoo. Haven't been there, I think, at least thirty years. Well, I'm not sure if we went in when my family went in '98, but if we did, twenty five years or was that? Yeah, twenty five years ago. Jesus, um, it was empty. Really? It, it was cold and. Uh, kind of cloudy so that explains part of it but i would have expected more people considering it was that kind of of a day where you know couples might want to go check out incarcerated animals yeah it makes me sad zoos make me sad. uh yeah um but no it was cool and then we went to a kind of small hole in the wall italian restaurant in burbank i forget the name of it but they had gorgonzola chicken which was amazing we should give them a shout out to all our fans who live in the area who can go check out yeah, let me look Gorgonzola tits. Or, 
sorry. <laughs> did you mean to say that? <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. I did. Uh, then I won't look it up. <laughs> no, I, well, I meant to say, like, yeah, I'd like to know the name of the restaurant or maybe. That's an Everettism for those of you who uh, may be wondering where that came from. Uh, I'm trying to remember now. Oh, here it is. Isabella's Italian Kitchen. It's a little hole in the wall place. Tell them Michael Getty sent you. They'll be like, who? <laughs> yeah. You know, Michael Getty from the podcast. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of the interior, reminded me of uh, the Anaheim uh, original pancake house. Mm. So, uh, yeah, really good food. Good. So that's all I have to say about that. Okay. <laughs> uh, I can't think of anything else that happened in the last couple weeks since we've recorded last. Uh, I feel like I, we, I mean, I'll say I could have planned this month a little bit better because I had more movies planned for February and it's going to be probably over by the time this episode goes out. Yeah. Well, Maybe it's not. crazy. This we'll see. month is blown by. It, at the same time, it also feels like it's been really slow for me. Hmm. So interesting. Interesting. Uh, well, don't really have anything to say about the last episode because I don't remember too much about it <clears throat> except for, uh, well, it's more of the AFI list about this movie that uh, Lillian Gish was listed as one of their top 25 actresses of all time. On the AFI list? Mm-hmm. Okay. But this week we're talking about Ridley Scott's buddy road picture, 1991's Thelma and Louise. Speaking of 1991, uh, Hewlett Packard introduces the world's first color image scanner. The first web page goes live and the hammer dance became popular. Uh, the average income in California, at least that's all I can find, uh, per year was $20,952. Minimum wage was four twenty-five. A new house cost you about $120,000. Rent was about uh, four hundred fifty dollars to $500. New car would set you back about $31,000. Gas was $1.14. $31,000? Really? Yeah. That seems very expensive for 1991. Yeah, maybe... Uh, <laughs> Maybe I got wrong information. I probably did. Who cares? Uh, gas was a dollar fourteen, and a movie ticket cost about four twenty-one. Do you want to guess what the best-selling toy of nineteen ninety-one was? Is it a video game? Yeah, I mean, not a game, but yes, console. A regular Nintendo? Nope, Super Nintendo. Regular Nintendo. Wow, Super Nintendo came out in nineteen ninety-one. Yeah, crazy. Uh, speaking of video games, ID Software, Bungie, and what would become Blizzard were all established in ninety-one. Like I said, the Super Nintendo came out in the U.S. It actually came out in uh, Japan as the Super Famicom in 1990. It was packaged, or the two games that were, were available at launch were Super Mario World and F-Zero. Also, the Atari Lynx was released in the Mega CD, which in Japan was released that year. But it came in the next year to America called the uh, Sega CD. Did I say Mega CD? I don't know. Who cares? You said Mega CD, yes. Good. Uh, games that came out in 1981, one were Sonic the Hedgehog, the first one. Street Fighter 2 was released in arcades. Uh, Final Fantasy 4 was released in Japan. It was called Final Fantasy 2 in America because they didn't release 2 or 3 in America. Legend of Zelda Link to the Past was released in Japan, and Super Castlevania was eventually released in America or everywhere. Uh, the top five TV shows of 1991 were Home Improvement, Cheers, Murphy Brown, Roseanne, and 60 Minutes. I don't know if you've seen clips of the Roseanne stand-up special, and I use that term loosely. It was uh, released. It's like a Fox Nation exclusive. Oh, you don't say Fox. Yeah. It's called Cancel This, and it's a piece of garbage, and you should just watch people 
reviewing clips of it because it's cringeworthy bad. She steals jokes from Ted Cruz. Oh, Christ. Yeah. Uh, shows that debuted in 1981 were Talk Soup, which would eventually become The Soup. Uh, Dinosaurs, The Adventures of Pete and Pete, Clarissa Explains It All, Salute Your Shorts, Doug, Rugrats, Ren and Stimpy Show, Darkwing Duck, Back to the Future of the Animated Series, Wish Kid, James Bond Jr., uh, Home Improvement, Step by Step, The Jerry Springer Show, The Montel Williams Show, and The Maury Povich Show all premiered in 1981. A lot of childhood memories in that list. Uh, shows that ended were Disney's Adventures of the Gummy Bears, 21 Jump Street, The Flash, Dallas, Twin Peaks, Tailspin, Hey Dude, and The Real the real Ghostbusters, and Wish Kid. <laughs> it only lasted the one year. I've never heard of Wish Kid. Uh, we, it's uh, it was starring Macaulay Culkin. But it was animated? Yeah. I mentioned, I talked about it in the uh, Home, and, Home Alone episodes. Oh, I'll just okay. say Home Improvement again. The top five songs were One More Try by Timmy T., Rush Rush by Paula Abdul. Gonna Make You Sweat, Everybody Dance Now by CNC Music Factory. I Want to Sex You Up by Color Me Bad. And Everything I Do, I Do It For You by Brian Adams was the number one song, which is kind of a random song to be number one. Yeah, in my opinion. that is. Uh, the top five movies, moneymakers, were The Silence of the Lambs, Hook, Beauty and the Beast, Robin Hood Men in Tights, and Terminator 2 Judgment Day made the most money. I meant to have you guess. guess that one? Yeah. I might have gotten that mm-hmm. one. Maybe. Other movies that came out that year were JFK, Cape Fear, LA Story, La Femme Nikita from... Uh, I forgot. I'm, Luke Besson? Yes, thank you. Luke Besson. <clears throat> Teenage, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze, Drop Dead Fred, What About Bob, Backdraft, Hudson Hawk, City Slickers, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, The Rocketeer, Problem movie. Child 2, Slacker, which was one of the first, one of the movies that started the indie boom of the 90s, uh, Boys in the Hood, Point Break, A Brighter Summer Day, Hot Shots, Barton Fink, The Fisher King, Suburban Commando, Ernest Scares Stupid, Cool as Ice, My Own Private Idaho, Curly Sue, which we talked about in the Home Alone episodes, The Addams Family, which was uh, Barry Sonnenfeld's directorial debut. Before that, he was the cinematographer for the Coens. Mm-hmm. So I think he did Barton Fink. Uh, My Girl and The Last Boy Scout. Love that movie. A lot of movies we talked about. Love that movie. A lot of childhood favorites, but we're not talking about those movies. We're talking about Thelma and Louise. Yes. Thelma and Louise, directed by Ridley Scott. It was written by Callie Corey. It was released on May 24th, 1991. Its budget was $16.5 million, and its box office gross. Do you want to guess what it was? And I know this was a hit. Obviously, it wasn't in the top five or maybe even the top ten. At least a pop culture mm-hmm. like hit. I'm going to say $60 million. Close. Uh, $45.4 million. As far as the general consensus of this movie, on Rotten Tomatoes, the film holds an approval rating of 87%. With an average rating of 8 out of 10, the website's critical consensus reads, Simultaneously funny, heartbreaking, and peppered with action, Ridley Scott's Thelma and Louise is a potent, well-acted road movie that transcends the feminist message at its core. On Metacritic, the film received a score of 88, indicating universal acclaim. And this film placed second to The Silence of the Lamb as the best film of 1991 in a poll of 81 mm. critics. 
Makes sense. Which is crazy to think that these movies came out at the same time. I don't know why, but I always think that Silence of the Lambs is like a much older movie. Yeah, maybe because of Michael Mann's Manhunter. Maybe, maybe. Uh, do you have a pitch for this film? Well, I have a few other things uh, before we get to the pitch, but I do have a pitch. Uh, it got, has a 7.1 on IMDb. It won Best Original Screenplay, was also nominated for the two lead actresses, both of them as leads. Which is um, one of the very, very few times in the history mm-hmm. of movies that that's happened. Which neither of them won, and probably because they split the vote. Well, I mean, Jodie Foster won that year, so it makes sense mm-hmm. that she would win. It uh, was also nominated for Best Director, which went to uh, Jonathan Demme. Uh Lost Cinematographer and Editing. I don't know who won those offhand, but I would guess and say probably Silence of the Lambs. It premiered at the Cannes Film Festival. Uh, Speaking of AFI lists, it was number 76 on the Thrills list. It was number 78 on the Cheers list. And it was number 24 uh, for both Thelma and Louise under the Heroes list. And it's going to be on Criterion in May. by number of 1180. And it was inducted into the Library of Congress in 2016. I was going to, yeah, make a make that my final note about the film. We um, can just cut that part out then. No, it's okay. <clears throat> it's totally fine. <laughs> and you said that you do have a pitch? Yeah, it's a short one, as they all should be. Uh, Bonnie and Clyde, but they're both ladies and less impotence. Okay. Right on. A lot less. Yeah. Uh, like you said, this was directed by Ridley Scott. Before this, he directed Alien and Blade Runner and Legend. Uh, probably the greatest Super Bowl uh, ad of all time with for Macintosh, which is kind of infamous, famous and infamous at the same time because it was the reason why well, the reason they used to kick uh, Steve Jobs out of Apple because uh, it failed financially. Uh, after this, he directed Gladiator, which I think is where he won Best Director. Also directed Hannibal, the Silence of the Lambs sequel, and Black Hawk Down, and one of my favorite movies, Matchstick Men. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, this is uh, written by Kate, uh, Callie... Corey? Corey. Uh, she doesn't have a lot of credits to her name. Her probably most famous one is Divine Sisters of the Yaya Sisterhood. Uh, she dre- She created the show Nashville... And uh, more recently wrote Respect, the uh, Aretha Franklin mm-hmm. movie. Let's get started. Let's get into it. So we open with, um, also this movie was scored by Hans Zimmer. Yeah. But this, I feel like this sound or score, whatever you want to call, um, it seems very not Hans Zimmer-ish. Yeah, it seems kind of boring, kind of. Nothing spectacular. Yeah, it's nothing, I, nothing spectacular over the top. Yeah, pretty generic. Uh, I don't have... I have notes about him later in it, but I think before this he did Rain Man and like Driving Miss Daisy, and those were like his famous things. I mean, those are huge movies. Yeah. But yeah, um, but yeah so we open up with a uh, black and white image of landscape, and the score starts playing, and it's, it's very southern like the the entire soundtrack is very southern because um obviously this takes place in the south wasn't filmed there though no it was not as you can tell um and the the image slowly comes to color we are then introduced to louise uh played by susan sarandon she is a waitress uh 
kind of a badass woman, uh, knows exactly what she wants, speaks mm-hmm. her mind all at all times. And um, she's, we see her, she's working at some sort of... Uh, diner. Diner of some sort. She's like Sarah Connor, the first Terminator. Yeah. Uh, Let's put upon though. She's very, she's very busy. It's very busy, and she's doing a great job of handing everybody. Because mm-hmm. I think Sarah Connor like fucks up an order right when she's doing it. Sarah Connor's overwhelmed. She seems to uh, have her shit together. Well, yeah. yeah, and uh, that's one of the ways that they show, or I guess Ridley Scott shows that she uh, is the more capable of mm-hmm. the two because uh, she has a job first of all. And like so, it's like oh, she's not just some housewife, even though she's not married. Uh, but like like I said, when you see Sarah Connor, it's like this person's going to be the mother of the future of the resistance. Yeah, the resistance. She's the one who's going to raise the you know this, she's Mary in uh, the Bible. Uh, well, we're getting into a Bible conversation again. Yeah. Um, but this one, it's like no, she's a very capable person. She's kind of badass. She smokes, even though she makes a comment about. You shouldn't smoke to the younger uh, customer, the yeah. female customer. That's funny because it's a group of like three young girls. Yeah. And she's like, you guys look a little young to be smoking. And they just kind of like laugh it off. And she's mm-hmm. like, it ruins your sex drive. And then immediately it cuts to her in the kitchen smoking a mm-hmm. cigarette. Yeah. Maybe she's just saying like, don't ruin don't, your life like, like I have. Yeah. Don't yeah. be like me. Uh, Louise calls her best friend. Thelma, and then we're introduced to Thelma, who's played by Gina Davis. Uh, she's a subservient housewife who's afraid of her asshole husband, Daryl, played masterfully by Christopher McDonald. Shooter uh, McGavin. Shooter McGavin, if you don't know who we're talking about. I meant to look up Susan Sarandon's credits and uh, Christopher McDonald's credits, but really the only thing that you need to know about Christopher McDonald is he just plays assholes constantly. Yeah. And Susan Sarandon was like a little... Uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show and a bunch of rom-com type movies and nothing. I mean, she's she's been in a lot of stuff and she's great in pretty much everything. I just can't think of like, I think of Stepmom is like one of the movies I can think of. That's about it. Let's, Let's agree. Let's she's, she's worth a, some research. She is. She's a great actress. Yeah. That's a, I, I, I can put this in the podcast because it won't spoil anything, but uh one of the characters in Ant-Man is named uh, Janet, and they say her name a lot. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about how you're supposed to watch Rocky Horror Picture Show, every time they say Janet, you're supposed to yell bitch at the screen. Oh. So every time someone yelled Janet, I wanted to yell bitch. Just so that would be funny. But I didn't. She was in The Client. Yeah. She won an Oscar for Dead Man Walking. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Town, Shall We Dance, um, Little Women. Romance and Cigarettes, Cradle Will Rock, The Banger Sisters. I think that's when she got into porn. Um, and Bill Durham. Oh, yeah. And she worked with uh, Ridley Scott's brother, Tony Scott. In you mean Bull Durham? The Hunger. What did I say? Bill. <laughs> that doesn't sound right. <laughs> uh, I guess that's the Chinese bootleg of it. I like those uh, posters you send. Yes. Yeah. The Ghana. The Ghana. Yeah. The ones from Ghana. Yeah. That are beautiful. Very <laughs> painted beautifully. So Louise calls Thelma and she's asking her if she had uh, started packing packing yet. And she's pissed that uh, Thelma hasn't even asked Daryl. Um, and then we 
see the interaction between Daryl and Thelma and we understand why she's afraid to mm. ask because he's a total asshole. Um, Thelma's like trying to get him to get ready for work to tell him to come down for breakfast. And then he starts yelling at her for yelling at him. Mm -hmm. And, um, and he's telling her like one of the funniest things he says. And of course he's a total asshole when he says it, but um, he's like, I probably won't be home for dinner tonight. And she was like, you're going to be working late. He's like, yeah, I think so. She's like, wow, who would have thought that so many people buy a car like late at night, you mm -hmm. would think that they would buy it during the day. And he was like, well, it's a good thing you're not regional manager. And he spins his keys around like a fucking idiot. <laughs> That's so good. Uh, Luis. I don't know why Luis. Yeah, that one Luis. Luis, not Luis. There we go. Um, I'm going to have to keep saying that over and over again in my head. Luis says to uh, Thelma that he's your her husband, not your dad. Mm -hmm. Something to remember. So after Daryl leaves, uh, Thel well, he, as he's leaving, he trips over. Which is fucking hilarious, that yeah. scene where he comes out. And of course, it, this is a trivia, but it yeah. was unscripted. He actually fell. I was hoping you'd have that trivia. Yeah, it's hilarious. So he's trying to get into his car, and his house is under construction. And he trips, and he really does trip, and he falls back, and he hits his head on something. And he's like, God damn it, Homer. <laughs> and he and he's like, got shit everywhere. And the guys are just like not even really Yeah, they're not reacting, yeah, at which all. shows that it is him like improving and reacting yeah. and staying in character and they're just like what we're yeah. supposed to be extras what should we do and then he's like i want you out of here by five and he's pulling out he's like no three three i want you out of here by three which is funny because he's not gonna even be home until yeah. late it's funny but so. he does yeah he does a great job and just watching the fall you can tell that it's real because he really does hit his head but he stays yeah. in character and he like oh, that's it seems realistic for him mm -hmm. to be like doing that so it's funny He's not just an asshole to his wife. He's an asshole to everyone. everybody. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed, but inside the living room, he has a painting of himself on the wall. It's no, just, I didn't see that. Yeah, it's just him. <laughs> it's it's uh, funny as hell. Um, so after this shitty interaction with Daryl, Thelma makes the decision to go and she calls uh, Luis back. And Luis is kind of surprised. and uh, But she's excited. And we start to see the differences in the two girls' personalities mm -hmm. by how they pack. Uh, Louise is very neat and organized. She individually like puts her shoes in like a Ziploc bag and folds it down nicely. Thelma is literally just grabbing armfuls of shit and just throwing it in a suitcase. Mm -hmm. It's not even folded. Um, showing that Thelma is messy and disorganized. Louise is more organized and thoughtful about what she's doing. Isn't the other way around? Louise. Louise has is has her stuff bagged up individually. Okay. Yeah. I'm getting confused then. Yeah. Uh, obviously. Uh, there Louise was one... is Susan Sarandon, just so we're clear, because yeah. we're probably going to mix this up. Yeah. Louise is Susan Sarandon, and Thelma is Gina Davis. Yes. Yes. Here we go. Uh, when Thelma calls Louise, uh, Albert, the boss at the diner, picks up the phone, and he's like, when are you going to run away with me? Which is kind of the movie's theme. Sounded like um, walking. Kind of. Uh, the movie's theme with the, that's what she's going to do. Run away with, with Louise. Also. And she even says that. She's like, well, she can't go with you this week. She's running away with me. Yeah. Uh, and also the show that more men are creeps in this movie. Mm -hmm. Well, the first, I guess he's technically the first creep of the movie. Mm -hmm. Obviously. I think he does it in good spirits. Yeah. yeah he's it's still kind of. It's playful. It's, yeah. it's a very mild level of, of creepiness. Yeah. Cause yeah, that, 
was more acceptable back then to just be like, Hey, when, when are you going to come over and, you know, where's my girl or something like that. And, you know, obviously I'm sure he knows that both parties married. know. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing's going to happen. So Louise goes to Thelma's house to pick her up and Thelma's bringing everything but the kitchen sink. And Louise is like, why are you bringing that? And she's like, I don't know. There may be monsters or crazy people. She's like bringing a lantern. And she's like, why are you bringing a lantern? They have electricity. She's like, you never know. Yeah. And when uh, Thelma gets in the car, she pulls out a gun and she's like, will you take care of this gun? And Louise freaks out. She's like, what the hell are you doing with that? And she was like, I don't know, for protection. So uh, Louise being the mature responsible one takes a gun and tells her you don't need to have that gun yeah i have it in my notes too that uh the way they dress shows their character because thelma's wearing something very thin and flowy a uh, very feminine so it's to like i want to say you use the word weak because then that would imply that i'm saying feminine is weak but her character is more weak and more susceptible and uh, a little more flowy in the brain uh, and uh, louise is wearing something a little more practical uh she has a uh, like a head scarf on to yeah. keep the wind from blowing her hair around so yeah she's more she, more utilitarian with what she's wearing and she uh, she thought ahead yeah let's put it that way she's ready to get the job done yeah um so as they're driving away from the house, they're both very excited. They're, you know, singing along, having a good time. And uh, Louise asks Thelma, how come Daryl let you go? And she's like, because I didn't ask him. And they have mm-hmm. a good laugh at that. And um, they talk a little shit about Daryl, or I guess Louise does, because uh, it's established that Daryl doesn't like Louise. And she thinks mm. that she's a bad influence on Thelma. Makes sense. Yeah. He might make her think that she has a brain of her own or something. Yeah. And um, me, me role playing, not me saying that. <laughs> and then Louise tells Thelma, you get what you settle for, mm. which is kind of comes into play later on in the movie. Yeah. I don't know if they say it here or if it's later. It's probably later. But she is. She says that she's only ever been with Daryl. Mm-hmm. So they've, you know, probably been together since high school. Or well, something. that's the thing that she says in the movie later when she's talking to um my man JD, JD um, that they've she got married at eighteen, and they had been dating for four years before that. Yeah, so she was a child. Hopefully, they both were. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of their age difference. Something. Yeah, and here's a little fun fact. I don't think I have this in the trivia, but they she actually was engaged to Christopher McDonald, and really? she left him for. Um, our friend uh jeff goldblum jeff goldblum and then she broke up with jeff goldblum all right that's a shame <laughs> R.I.P. you're gonna say r.i.p like that one day and the person's gonna have passed away while we're recording or something wow that would be great <laughs> I'm not, not great that the person died but serendipi- coincidence seren- yeah serendipitous be a coincidental uh i looked it up and um gina davis and christopher mcdonald are a year apart so okay so he was 15 and she was 14 great yeah but she looks so much younger than christopher mcdonald yeah it's the mustache yeah probably and the mullet (laughs) um so as they're driving thelma talks louise into stopping at a redneck bar because she never has a chance to actually enjoy her life because of daryl obviously yeah while they're driving i think thelma pretends to smoke which i yeah think is 
it leads to the character. To, it's the beginning of uh, a trope or whatever the word I want to use uh, of a character development thing. Role reversals. Yeah. Um, she pulls out one of Louise's cigarettes and she's looking at herself in the side view mirror. And Louise is like laughing at her. She's like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm being Louise. Like, and then she lowers her voice. She's like, I'm Louise. And then she has a good laugh at that. Do you know where the Silver Spoon Saloon was? Or technically is? Mm-mm. Long Beach. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I don't know why I looked it up. I was like, that kind of looks like maybe like somewhere on Route 66 or something. Like, yeah. Oh, no, it's Long Beach, which is weird. Interesting. Uh, it's called now the Cowboy Country Saloon. It's still there? Apparently. Wow, okay. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know of any redneck bars and yeah, because it does look like it's like on you know yeah. like near a rest stop or something. It's it's the perfect location. Yeah. Like yeah, not like half an hour away from downtown LA. Right. It's, that's what a great casting, casting location scouter location manager will get you. I don't know why I said casting. <laughs> so they go to the bar and uh, Thelma orders. A Coke and whiskey. And uh, Louise is taken aback by it. She tells her that you're usually so sedate. And uh, Thelma says, well, I had it up to my ass with sedate. I'm going to let down my hair. Um, and Louise just orders like a normal drink. And then she kind of like listens to what Thelma's saying. And she's mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, I'm going to get a margarita. And, more and then sh- we're going to hit the road. And then we're going to hit the road. <laughs> Um, we then meet Harlan, who Louise is definitely not impressed with. Uh, Harlan is played by, I don't know the actor's name. The only thing I remember him from is Beverly Hills Cop 3. Oh. He plays the bad guy. I, I saw a picture of what he looks like now, and I'm like, he does not look like the same character. He doesn't? He looks like some prissy, like, British guy. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Um, Harlan comes up to them starts hitting on Thelma and Louise and Louise tells them to fuck off because she has to have a private conversation mm-hmm. with them. And Thelma is a little bit smitten because obviously he never, she never gets any attention at home from anybody. So she's kind of like playing along while mm-hmm. he's like being charming and trying to be funny. Um, she says like, Oh, I had an uncle named Harlan. And he's like, was he a funny uncle? Yeah. He also says that he's just being friendly. Yeah. Harlan, you bothering these poor girls? Hell no, I was just being friendly. Well, it's a good thing they're not all as friendly as you. Hey, your name's Harlan? I got an uncle named Harlan. You do? Uh Uh-huh. Is he a funny uncle? Because if he is, then he and I got something in common. Just being friendly. And so he fucks off for a little bit while they, uh, they talk shit about each other's partners. Uh, We learn that Louise has a boyfriend named Jimmy. Mm-hmm. And things aren't going great for them. At one point, uh, Thelma says, geez, Louise. And I was like, yeah. Oh, wait. Yeah. All right. I wonder that if that, is that where it came from? I doubt it. Yeah. <laughs> and then Matt Dillon starts playing. It's not Matt Dillon, but it looks exactly like Matt it Dillon. It really does. Yeah. I thought it was Matt Dillon. He's the... It's Charlie Sexton. Charlie Sexton. He's wearing a shirt that came out of my closet. <laughs> um, Harlan invites uh, Thelma to dance and she gladly accepts. And then Tim Burton asks Louise to dance. <laughs> Dude looks just like Tim Burton. <laughs> Isn't he wearing a cowboy hat though? Yeah, it looks like Tim Burton as a cowboy. Oh, okay. Like he has the Tim Burton hair and the like the nose and he doesn't speak either. 
he just like comes over and like nods his head at her and she's like okay. he says something he's like ma'am you want to dance does he yeah that's what, that's it because he has no expression on his face for the rest of it that what really makes him look like tim burton well we get um some of the worst line dancing i've ever seen in my <laughs> life it's like really um it's shot really well like yeah. this is not going to be the first time you hear me say this but this movie is shot fucking incredibly but um it's the the camera goes down like in the middle of like the lines but like Mm -hmm. everyone's like out of sync and like fucking terrible dancers and some are some of them are looking at the camera most of them have no expression on their face like they're just doing their job their job they don't look like they're enjoying the line dancing yeah and i'm guessing you know they're i've never gone line dancing nor will i ever uh but i mean you should go it's great (laughs) i'm so good I'm assuming that's uh, what they uh, like. They all know the the, the dance, like in it's, like a musical. It's like <laughs> in um, real life. What's that wedding? The cha cha slide yeah, or whatever. Something like that. Which like or the I, Macarena. Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> the cha cha slide is like I've heard it played at so many weddings yeah. that Tressa and I have shot, and I'm just like, what the fuck is this song? But at least with the cha cha slide, it like explains what the next step is. That's true slide to your left yeah you do the cha-cha slide getty nah i, I always hated doing that at weddings i'd watch everybody else do it and they're like this is so much fun i'm like you have fun i'm good um so they're doing the great line dancing out of sync and yeah. i loved it to her <laughs> the michael jackson clip that's what it felt like yeah that's what it sounded like too um I can't stand a tour mike michael you gotta say that you loved a tour or that you, that uh, that you enjoy touring, like, but it's oh. hell. I don't. I don't like it. I know, right. but you gotta make it sound positive. I love. To I love tour. the tour. And then everyone starts cracking up. <laughs> it was. It's perfect. That's a funny clip. Yeah. The record company usually like for you to support your album and go on tour, and uh, I don't like to. Well, can we can we just do it again without the just the negative saying that you don't like the tour? Just I don't like it. Though. I know, but see, this I is, go through but hell. What setting up, though? I, don't no, I go through the, hell the touring. Okay, then I, I'll make it positive then. Yeah, just don't for you mind. know the truth. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and action, Michael. I love to tour. You guys want And then we go to the most chaotic bathroom I've ever seen. <laughs> Louise is checking herself out in the in the mirror, and there's probably forty girls like stacked behind her. I don't know if you noticed. I think this is the first time I noticed it. But when she's walking out, a girl behind her calls her a bitch. No, I didn't notice that because you can't hear because there's just like the the fucking insane reverberation of forty girls talking in mm-hmm. like a echoey bathroom, but like still all expressionless while they're except doing, for the, doing their makeup. the girl who looks back at at, uh, at Louise as she's walking out and calls her a bitch. So I'm like, oh shit! So after dancing for a while, um, Thelma and Harlan are still dancing, and Louise is trying to like get her to go she like mm-hmm. lifts up her wrist and points at the clock on her. the clock i don't the know if, if she's flavor flav but um <laughs> so um harlan starts spinning thelma around which is more than likely part of uh harlan's fucked up scheme mm-hmm. she says stop and she says like oh i'm i'm starting to feel sick and he's like uh-oh or is it oopsie doopsie or some shit like that he says something <laughs> stupid like that he's like oh we need to get you some air and she's like oh okay Harlan takes Thelma outside for what he says is for fresh air. 
Hmm. And um, he starts trying to kiss her and, and she's yeah. you know backing away she's like oh stop like i don't feel good and he starts pressing the issue like more and more and he starts getting like more and more aggressive um and she's telling him no stop and he continues and he attempts to rape her uh after physically abusing her and one of the like it's not funny it's just fucking yeah. like first of all it's very very um I was surprised the first time I saw it. It's kind of shocking. Like yeah. it's it's very violent, and but he like slaps her, and then he's like, "I'm not gonna hit you." And I was like, "What? You already fucking did!" Like, yeah. so, anyways, um, that's all I'll say about that. Luckily, before anything can actually progress, uh, Louise saves the day by putting a gun to Daryl's head, and she tells him, "You let her go, you fucking asshole, or I'm gonna splatter your brains all over this nice car." And he's like, "Oh, we were just having some fun. We were just kidding." And she, te- uh, Louise tells him, usually when a girl's crying like that, she isn't having any fun. Yeah. And Louise is very upset when she's saying this. Um, I mean, for obvious reasons, but we learn like a little bit more about why she's that upset and why mm-hmm. what happens happens. Harlan starts talking shit to her as she's walking away. And Louise stops, turns around, and then uh, Har- Harlan tells her to suck his cock. She's like, what did you say? Yeah. Like, I said, suck my cock. And she shoots him in the chest and he goes down and they're both. With both, fake looking blood. Yeah. The, both Thelma and Louise are shocked about what happened and they both just kind of stand there for a while. And uh, Louise immediately takes action and tells her to go get the car. So Thelma goes and gets the car and she's still talking to Harlan as he's dying. Mm-hmm. She's, you know, telling him, like, I forget what she says to him, but probably put the clip in so yeah. I don't sound like a fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> Too late. Yeah. You watch your mouth, buddy. So they get in the car and they make their getaway. And while they're doing that, Thelma suggests going to the cops and telling, suggests that they go to the cops and tell them what happened. Um, and Luis freaks out and she says, no one's going to believe that story considering 100 people just saw you dancing with that guy for a mm-hmm. couple hours. Um, so they don't know what to do. And at this point, they're just driving to buy time. Yeah, And she's probably right. But at the same time, with the next one of the next scenes where the waitress is being interviewed, uh, it sounds like they probably would have believed mm-hmm. based on all the people around going, yeah, that guy's an asshole. It was probably this person or that person who killed him mm-hmm. or anybody could have killed him or whatever. Yeah. So, and then Luis throws up after cutting off an 18 wheeler. Yeah. After Louise empties her stomach onto the side of the road, they stop for a cup of coffee. They clear their heads and figure out what to do next. And they get into an argument and Thelma feels like she's being blamed for what happened to her. Yeah. And she shouldn't be, she obviously isn't at fault for, being sexually assaulted but it did lead like it's like when i got in that car accident because i happened to be at that point on the freeway on my way to your place so it'd be like blaming you for the car accident Mm -hmm. when obviously you had nothing to do with it right uh you know but if she listened to louise if they didn't go in there or if she didn't talk to that guy or you know or she left when louise said okay let's go then it wouldn't have happened. Or but if that, she's at fault. It's like, yeah, it's one of those like Benjamin Button things. For all these things to happen, like 
oh yeah you know one thing if she hadn't suggested if Thelma hadn't suggested like oh can we please go to this bar like I want to you know let my hair down yeah. or like that Gwyneth Paltrow movie Sliding Doors like I've said before I don't know that one <laughs> I just remember the trailer oh okay have you ever wondered what might have been would things be different if you caught the train instead of missing it how much would your life change if you were 10 minutes early instead of 10 minutes late helen if i had just caught that train i'd have been home ages ago you don't want to go wondering about things like that now helen's life is about to go down two different tracks Gwyneth Paltrow and Gwyneth Paltrow in the story of a woman about to choose between a life with the man she's always loved. Jerry, I asked a simple question. I mean, there's no need to become Woody Allen. And the life with the man she's just met. I kissed you. Yeah, I spotted that too. Miramax Films and Paramount Pictures present a romantic comedy about one woman. I'm over him. No, you're not. I am. And life's infinite possibilities. Don't think that I... I, I... I didn't think that. I'm truly, truly sorry. Two lives, two chances, and a destiny that lies behind two sliding doors. Thelma calls home. And there's a shot lingering on the TV dinner, sitting in an open microwave with a beer in front of it and a note. And Daryl's not home, but I'm also going, you just left a frozen dinner in the microwave all day like that? <laughs> if it was frozen, it would be okay. Maybe by the maybe, end of the day. Maybe like an hour or two later, but not, you know, eight, nine hours later, whatever it might be. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe she's trying to poison him. I mean, he would be an idiot. Right, to eat so. it. Well, he probably would. No, he's, uh, and it's never clearly stated, like, is he cheating on her? But mm-hmm. knowing the type wouldn't be surprising. Yeah, that, that is weird because it does sound like they're setting up the fact that he is cheating on her, but then they never follow up with it mm-hmm. in, the, in the later scenes. Which would be interesting that he actually wasn't. He's just a fucking dickhead. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? He's just, I maybe he's just hanging out with friends. Maybe he's a big as that big of an asshole as um, Harlan. Harlan, yeah, yeah. Um, we then meet the detective following up on Harlan's killing, played by Harvey Keitel, and his name is Hal. Hal, I have in my notes Harvey Keitel as a cop again, because <laughs> this is like what, like, but he has a southern accent. Oh yeah, a southern accent this time, and it's like a weird southern accent. And usually I'd be like, oh my god, it's so annoying or it's so bad. But it's just like this movie is so fucking good that it's just like I don't even, I don't even yeah, care. It's fine. Yeah, I it didn't bug me. It's just weird to hear because of how many. It's like when you hear Brad Pitt with a southern accent, and you're like, okay, he's kind of from the south. I forget where exactly he's from. I looked it up and I immediately forgot. It's like Missouri or something. Yeah, I think something like that. So it makes sense for him to have an accent, but like, you know, he doesn't always have the accent. So sometimes we'll hear it. Sometimes we won't. This is, we've always hear Harvey, Harvey Keitel in like Reservoir Dogs or Pulp Fiction. Say the goddamn fucking words. Yeah. Or Taxi Driver. Where I he, don't know no Irish. <laughs> I don't know no Irish. He talks pretty much the same way the whole time. Yeah. And uh, he talks the exact same way in this one. It's just with a slight Southern accent. Yeah. I forgot to look him up too, but he, wasn't he... 
what was he the detective in? Uh, I feel like he was in one of Bad the, Lieutenant. Oh, uh, Red Dragon. Oh, yeah, Bad, Bad Lieutenant too, but Red Dragon, he plays uh, Graham's boss. Yes, you're right. So, more Silence of the Lambs references. Yeah. And connections. And Ridley Scott. And... Well, Ridley Scott. That, oh, that, that was uh, Brett, Brett Ratner. Ratner. The yeah. only. Oh, well, I love the the first two uh, Rush Hour movies, but the the best movie Brett Ratner has ever done, and it's kind of makes me wonder if he how much of a hand he actually had in it. But I would say, or I could probably watch it now and not even watch and go, oh wait, no, this movie kind of sucks. Mm, no, I've done that multiple times, and it's still a great movie. Yeah. Sorry, I did cut you off just now. It's okay. Uh, so Detective Hal is interviewing the waitress that helped Thelma and Louise. Um, he's trying to figure out kind of what happened. And he's asking, do you know anybody who would, who would do this? And he was like, maybe a husband. You said he instead of she. Fuck. I, Why does it I'm keep happening? I don't know. I was, I'll, I'm, I'll gla- I'm glad I haven't done it yet. She interviewed. Uh, I did it fucking again. Detective Hal is interviewing the waitress that helped uh, Thelma and Louise out. And he's trying to get more information about, you know, how it could have happened. And she tells him uh, could be uh, one of a girl ex-lover's husband. It could be the ex-lover herself. But uh, definitely there are a lot of people that wanted him dead. So it wasn't surprising that it happened to him. She I hope was it was su- his wife. She was surprised that it happened um, not sooner. Yeah. Yeah. That's what he tells her. Uh, and he's following up about the two girls that left. Uh, she tells him that Louise left a really big tip. Mm-hmm. And he's like, do you know what kind of car they drove? And she was like, this isn't a drive-in. I work inside. Yeah. I don't follow the, the customers out to the parking lot. Um, and de- the detective asks her, like, not that you're uh, an expert witness, but how do you know so much about these girls? Because she tells him neither of these girls are the killing type. Yeah. And she tells him if waiting tables in a bar, don't make you an expert on human nature. Nothing will. So he takes her word for it and he lets mm-hmm. her go. Anything to add to that? No, I just have a note for some reason. I have it listed with this scene, but, uh, Oh, she is being kind of flirt. I will say about the scene. She is being flirtatious with him and mm-hmm. he's being very like, accepting of it and not be like bam this is serious just the facts yeah you know, he's, he's and like that's what i like helpful. about his character is that like he is one of the only i think he is the only decent man in this movie and he seems like a really like good decent man. guy and she's like um hitting not hitting on him but like you said like flirting with him and he's just kind of laughing and he's like have a good night ma'am yeah it's the a reversal of the albert and thelma thing albert yeah, the, the boss. Oh, yeah. okay. Like, of the diner. Who's Albert? You forgot already. I know. Uh, we then cut back to Thelma and Louise, and they're trying to figure out what they should do. And Louise says, uh, let's go to a motel. How much money do you have? And Thelma's, like, counting the money, and she's like, uh, 61 And then a $20 bill flies <laughs> out the window, and she's like, shit, $41. I would have been like, hey, stop the car. I've got to go back for that 20 But a 20 flying out of the window reminds me of uh, after hours. Uh, there is a moment right before this where Louise is looking in the mirror and there's like a pinpoint spot of blood on her face from uh, killing. And I thought, and she tries to get it off kind of aggressively. In, yeah. Aggressively a little bit of a panic, which I thought was really good because mm-hmm. it shows 
you know, I have blood on my, not on my hands, but on her face, but you know, the same idea of like metaphorically I have yeah. blood on my hands. Yeah. yeah. So the girls get a hotel room and they try to figure out what to do. Uh, Louise calls her on again, off again, boyfriend, Jimmy played by Michael Madsen, Mr. Blonde from Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, and... So two R- Reservoir Dogs in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been in a ton of other stuff, including uh, Kill Bill Volume 2. Well, I guess Kill Bill Volume 1 as well. And a lot of Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, Hateful Eight he was in yeah. as well. Uh, and Louise asks him to wire her her life savings without detailing what kind of trouble she's actually in. Uh, you know, someone calls you out of the blue and says like, hey, uh, I can't tell you what's going on. Something's going on. I need you to send me a bunch of money. And won't refuse, like refuses to tell you why, mm-hmm. especially if it's a significant other. Of course, you're going to get worried. So he's trying to press her for information, and she's very. Um, and we find this several times during the movie that she's just like, once she says no, like that's it. Mm-hmm. Don't fucking press her, because she's not going to. You know, she's going to shut down. Mm-hmm. Um, we also find out they're near Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. which they're not. Which they're not. A lot of this was filmed in Utah. Some of it was filmed uh, on a city kind of somewhat near Bakersfield. I think that's where they're at during this phone call uh, with the pool and everything. It's like the small, like kind of rest stop of a town. Mm-hmm. Uh, we then cut to Harvey Keitel's boss uh, deciding to bring into the FBI to locate the girls. And at this point, Louise makes up her mind that she's going to make a run for Mexico. And she asks Thelma if she's going all the way with her on this because she needs to know. And Thelma says she doesn't know. And Louise isn't happy about the fact that she doesn't know. They say to put out an APV. APB. Do you know what that means? Well, that sounds points like... bulletin. All points bulletin. <laughs> bulletin. What's with you changing bull to bill today? <laughs> Dude, I don't know. The left side of my brain is fucked up, I guess. Apparently. Even smoking crack? Yeah, I have. Um, so, yeah, Louise seems uh, disappointed in the fact that Thelma can't decide right then and there to, you know, is she going to uproot her entire life and run away with, uh, with Louise after, you know, she, Thelma didn't kill the guy, but, yeah. you know, she's a part of it. She's an yeah. accessory to the murder. Thelma then calls Daryl. And he answers and he's like, have you lost your mind? Where in the Sam Hill are you? And she tells him, hey, we're at Louise's friend's cabin. We're having fun. Mm -hmm. We'll be home tomorrow night. Um, And he's like, no, you won't. You'll be home right now. And Get your butt back here now. Yeah. And um, as this phone call continues, she starts getting a little bit more firm and more firm. He's watching football, so he's only kind of half paying attention to her anyway. Yeah, he even like puts the phone to his chest, so he's like, hold on, hold on. And you can hear Thelma continue to talk while he's yeah. watching the football game, and he gets upset about the one of the players fumbling the ball. As um, you should. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course. But during this conversation, she has the epiphany that, like, this is what I've been living with, and she finally starts to see, like, what other people have told her about him being, you know... Um, an asshole for lack yeah. of lack of a better word a waste of space yeah uh so she tells him to go fuck himself and hangs up the phone and he's like oh well, isn't that nice 
<laughs> and, and he like slaps the phone down it's like uh, just like those little those little choices that he yeah. makes are just like so good and then when she's leaving the phone booth uh she runs into brad pitt hosing himself off plays jd and this was his breakout role yes it was that's all i'm gonna say because we've already talked about brad pitt check out our curious case of benjamin button episode yeah uh so they bump into each other and he's you know overly nice like you okay did i hit you is there anything i can do for you and she just kind of like doesn't really answer him because mm-hmm. she's enamored with him i mean fucking who wouldn't be um so she goes back into the car while Luis goes inside the convenience store, liquor store, whatever it is. And JD walks up to her and he's like, he asks her for a ride. And Thelma's like, I don't know. It's my friend's car. Mm-hmm. She's kind of uptight. Probably not a good idea. And then Luis comes out of the store and she explains like, hey, this guy's trying to go to Oklahoma City. Can we give him a ride? And she says, probably not a good idea. And then he says, okay, I thank you for your time. And he walks away and that's it. I'm going, Thelma, why are you being so trusting of any man after what just happened to you? Yep. Yeah. So I would probably, I'll say that's one of my bigger flaws in the movie. And Thelma tells Luis that she's going to Mexico. And Luis is very happy. She said, how long until we're in goddamn Mexico? Yep. Luis then asks Thelma to find a route to Mexico that doesn't cross Texas. Uh, and Thelma's like, the only thing between here and Mexico is Texas. And she starts getting pissed off. And Louise says, you know how I feel about Texas. And Thelma tries to find out, like, why mm-hmm. she asked her what happened in Texas. And this is another one of those moments where, like, Louise puts her foot down and says, I'm not going to talk about it. And she gives her nothing about it. And then Thelma kind of, like, pats her on the arm and she's because she's. Uh, Louise is very, very worked up. And Thelma's like, it's okay. It's okay. And she tries to calm her down. I would say this is the point where I'm like, I'm pretty sure I know what happened to her in Texas. Did you, I mean, how long ago did you first see this movie? Um, It was definitely late. Uh. Like, I was definitely an adult when I had seen it because, like, I didn't watch it, like, with my dad or anything. No one told me about it. Obviously, I knew the movie. But I thought it was like, well, I'm not going to get into like what I thought. But anyways, <laughs> I was definitely an adult. Mm-hmm. But yeah, after watching it, it's safe to assume what happened to her yeah. in Texas from that scene. But then it kind of all but gets confirmed later. Yeah. Uh, so they continue on and they cross paths again with Brad Pitt chilling straight out of a Coca-Cola or Levi's commercial <laughs> from the 80s. There's a really cool shot of the street with all the power lines where I'm like, oh, that looks like uh, seven. Yeah. A lot of amazing landscape shots in this. After they see JD and he's just like literally just posted up, just like posing. Like that's exactly what he's doing. Bugle boy commercial. Yeah. Bugle boy. Sure. (laughs) I said Levi's. You said bugle boy. Yeah. Um, It's 90s. Fine. But it looks looks, like. You're right. Whatever. Um Thelma sees him and she starts like literally like pleading like a puppy dog yeah. and like whining and uh <laughs> and Louise is like okay fine and then Thelma gets all happy and she even like goes <laughs> like a dog if I were Louise I'd been like ew and just kept driving <laughs> <laughs> now you don't get to <laughs> you're gross and they pick up JD 
Um, when you said that, I was thinking uh, Scrubs for a second. Yeah. I was like, what? Oh, right, right. right. Yeah, Zach Braff is in this movie. <laughs> He's like 12. 12 yeah. yeah. Something. Uh, they drive to another hotel to pick up the money, and they come up uh, when Jimmy is talking to uh, Louise on the phone. They come up with a code word for picking up the money, so she goes to the front counter and asks... Uh, do you have any money orders for Thel- or Louise? Mm-hmm. And the guy says, nope. And then she's like, how about peaches? Code word peaches. Yeah. And then Jimmy is in the lobby waiting. And Reading a newspaper. And he puts it down. He's like, I know code word peaches or something like that. Yeah. Which is, uh, she's very shocked. Yeah. And Jimmy is nice enough to get a second hotel room so that Thelma can have her, her own separate room. You've skipped quite a bit. Did I? Yeah. Okay. Um, Hal breaks into uh, Thelma, no, Luis's place. Yeah, but that doesn't really add much to it. And then, like, there's a couple scenes later where he's talking to Daryl. Hal is talking to Daryl. And he ends up standing in his pizza. Uh, but I think, like, that's important to establish that they make that connection because they spend a lot of time at Daryl's for the rest of the movie. Mm. Uh, and... Uh, we're also introduced to Max, played by Stephen Tro- Trobolowski. Trobolowski, thank you. Which is weird to see him in a serious role because he's always played like crazy zany characters. See Groundhog Day, where he plays uh, Ned. Was I forget the his nickname? Uh, Ned Ryerson. Well, do you want to talk about that scene that I cut out then? Well, I just things to establish for when we talk about it for later. That, but that's what I'm saying. Do you want he, to talk about what happens in it? Because you're just like, oh, yeah, he goes and sees him. Well, the big thing in the, the Hal and Daryl scene is that he says, hey, they might be connected to this murder. And he's like, what? What? Like, like he's so flabbergasted at the idea that his wife could be connected with murder in general. Not even the idea that she could have, well, I mean, she was an accessory, like you said, but could have been related to or involved in some kind of crime like that. One of those scenes where we est- they establish that uh, she hasn't been with anybody but Daryl because she's talking to JD. She's very open with JD, giving her life story to him when she really shouldn't be. And we'll find out why in a minute. But JD, well, says, I mean, just like, in general, let's let's imagine that he is the nicest guy in the movie and turns out to be an angel. You still shouldn't be telling him all this stuff. You just met him. Yeah, yeah. Didn't you learn nothing? And. Uh, JD's listening to all this and he's like, JD's, uh, fuck, JD. He's listening to all this and he was like, Daryl sounds like an asshole. And she's like, he is an asshole. And she's <laughs> like, I don't know why I put up with it for so long. Yeah. So she's kind of finding that inner strength after having that conversation where she told him to go fuck himself. Mm-hmm. And now she's seeing that, like, yeah, I made the right decision. Mm-hmm. So she's kind of like, happy with the choices that she's made so far he's reaffirming her choices yeah jd leaves like right after they uh, jimmy is there and it's raining too it's the first i think the first time we see that it's like raining because mm-hmm. it rains pretty much f- for the rest of the movie and he oh yeah jd leaves and thelma talks about how she likes watching him go mm-hmm which is strange because there's a scene later because she's like talking about, oh, his ass and all that. There's a scene later where you get a, a closer profile view and I'm like, those jeans don't do anything for his ass if he has a nice ass. Because <laughs> I'm looking and going, 
I don't see anything there right now. <laughs> yeah, he'd be looking at his ass. Man. Yeah. Shit. Maybe later, but. Um, she says she's just a wild, I'm just a wild woman. Yeah. And uh, she, uh, Thelma and Louise are sharing the same room and she tells, um, Louise tells Thelma like, I'm going to put this money, her life saving, $6,700. Mm-hmm. She's like, I'm going to put it in this drawer. You have to guard it with your life. And Thelma's like, okay. Um, and Thelma's like, I guess I won't wait up for you. And she goes to stay with uh, Jimmy in his room. And they have a conversation where, uh, again, she's still not telling him what's going on. And Jimmy throws a temper tantrum. And this yeah. is one of those moments where we again see the strength of uh, Louise. Because she's like, fuck this. I don't need this shit. And she starts mm-hmm. heading for the door. And... Jimmy pleads with her like to stop and then he's like come over here sit down she's like no and he's like come here I want to give you something she's like give it to me right here she doesn't move from the door because she's ready to like walk Mm -hmm. out and she's not scared she's not crying she's not shaking she's 100% just like ready to walk out and she's totally like in control of the situation Mm -hmm. again showing her personality and how strong she is Um, and then Jimmy tries to propose to her in the weakest way possible but you know she didn't make it easy for him yeah she she didn't he just kind of hands her the box and he's like oh well here you go wasn't very romantic no which what was his plan his plan was to he says that he brought it all the two states across two states he flew and he's you know i'm afraid to fly um which maybe it was something that was kind of hinted at maybe there's like a theme of flying going on in the the movie leading to the ending because uh, there was a crop duster earlier in the movie, and uh, now he's talking about flying, and he hates to fly, and he's or afraid to fly or whatever. Um, I do like the fact that he's not perfect, and he's not—he's not even really an asshole. He's just got anger issues, and right. like you said, he threw a tantrum because uh, he doesn't like grab her, or hit her. Uh, he takes his anger out on a table, yeah, and the stuff on the table, and I think that's one of the cliches that they avoided in this movie was making him abusive mm-hmm. because like when, when you first see this movie, you see him and you're like, Oh man, he's going to fucking yeah, like he, he banged the thing. And now he's going to punch her or slap her or something like that. And he doesn't. And probably because of who the actor is, you look at him, you're like, Oh, he's well, like an yeah, asshole and no, everything too. No, it, yeah. It's a combination of that and the way that he's acting like, you know, he's throwing a temper tantrum and he fucking throws a table across the room. And, you know, so mm-hmm. you, you just assume that he's going to take it out on her, but they, they avoid that cliche. And that's mm-hmm. another thing that I love about this movie. So he's the only other person in the movie, the only other man in the movie who's not an asshole. Yeah. Outwardly. Outwardly. Yeah. But I mean, if you think about it, like, I don't know if when you were watching it, if you thought this, but like, when he's like, oh, yeah, like, tell me where you are and I'll come give you the money. Did you think that he was going to show up and like, I don't know, not kill her, you know what I mean? But No, like, I didn't think he had any ill will. I wasn't apprehensive of him uh, because, you know, this is the character. He's, always, you know, he's Joe Cool mm-hmm. all the time in whatever he's in and he's usually a dangerous person whatever in whatever he's in you know reservoir dogs he cuts a guy's ear off yeah he's an assassin and kill bill um yeah so there was that like i don't know if i should trust this person but to turn out he's just just you know some guy with anger issues who doesn't know how to express himself express himself doesn't know how to be 
a boyfriend really well. He doesn't know how to treat a woman the way he should, but he's trying, unlike someone like Daryl. Right. Who's just like in that men man mentality of like, I'm the man, I go yeah. home, I go out, I do what I want, you make dinner, have it ready for me, that kind of bullshit like old yeah. school. Getting married to Thelma was a notch in his belt. Yeah. Probably. She's kind of a trophy wife to him. Yeah. She'll be there, cook for me, and when I want to have sex, she'll be there. She'll be there for me, whether she likes it or not. Because yeah. who cares? We're going to take all these clips out of it. I make sure to put the accent in there so that way it doesn't it sound like sound just like me. You. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds enough like me, though. Anyways. So we cut to uh, Thelma's uh, hotel room. We hear a knock at the door, and Thelma's scared. Because it could be the police, it could yeah. be whatever. So she's like, she calls out, she's like, Luis. And she opens the door and it's JD standing there in the rain. Um, so he's like, ah, I, I don't know what I'm doing here. And he does a great job of acting like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like playing coy, like, oh, I'll just leave. And she's like, no, no, wait, come in. And he comes in and they have, you know, a cute little flirty thing relationship where... Mm-hmm. Um, we find out that he is a known felon who's currently breaking parole for robbing liquor stores. Like high in uh, Raising Arizona. Yeah. That was the character I thought of. There were, there were moments in this that reminded me of Raising Arizona, just not as ridiculous. Yeah. Because this is all rooted in reality. Mm-hmm. Um, and Thelma's very, very interested and maybe even a little bit turned on by hearing this. So she asks him how he did it which JD graciously tells her um, he acts it out for her. And I think that's one of like the most famous scenes because Brad mm-hmm. Pitt has his shirt off. And I mean, what can you say about Brad Pitt's body? Um, I've already said it. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've said it enough. Um, I remember this scene from uh, big daddy. They played this clip oh, during yeah. big daddy. And then he's like, mm, look at Brad's body, not an ounce of fat on him. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Jessup? It's the the two guys. They're like playing. Uh, they're playing cards. It's the two gay like um, friends that were uh, friends to Sonny, and they're watching. They're playing poker, and the movie's on. And then one of the guys says, mm, "Look at Brad's body. Not an ounce of fat." And um, what does he say? Fuck, I forgot. But he puts his hands on the guy's stomach. He's like, "I like." Um, fuck, what does he say? I'll just put the clip in. Yeah. And then that guy who's like very uncomfortable with them being gay is there and he's like playing cards and he's like, "Uh." (laughs) because it's that guy who always like the the guy from the water boy. Did you just make a joke, Bobby? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, With the weird eyes. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, There was one thing I forgot to mention uh, because you moved away from your mic and it reminded me that uh, the scene where he's out in the rain going like, oh, I don't know what I should do. I don't know. Uh, the sound is weird. Like maybe they 80 yard him or they just couldn't get a right sound without all the rain behind him. Mm. But it just sounded off to me. And that, I, I didn't, felt like it was Yeah, I didn't notice that. Mention. What did you watch it on, by the way? Um, Amazon? Prime? Yeah, I think yeah. I watched it on Prime. Quality is pretty good, but yeah. decided to get this on Criterion. Yeah, it's going to be in 4K, so it should should be good. Yeah. Well, it should be. They haven't. They don't have the greatest track record when it comes to 4K yet. 
Some of them look great, but some of them have... Well, this movie looks fucking amazing, so if they fuck this up, then... Wouldn't be surprised. I know. So after uh, JD telling her how he robs banks, step by step saying exactly what he does, what he tells them, how he does it, uh, they make sweet, sweet early 90s cinema love together. (laughs) I said I wrote down just sex scene. (laughs) Good. Nice and detailed. Sex scene. Yeah, there's a... Because it was. It's just kind of a generic sex. I mean, not generic because this is her awakening as a character. This is where she, like, fully... um, The catalyst to what she becomes for the rest of the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, Because she is released, I guess. Um, She's probably having her first orgasm. It it seems to be established that that's her first orgasm. Yeah. Because Daryl obviously isn't getting the job done. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't with that mustache. <laughs> uh, there's a cute little scene between Luis. Why do I keep saying Luis? Louise and uh, um, Jimmy, where he's like, Remember the first one of them says, Remember the first time we met, and he says something about not your eyes were beautiful or something like that. And she's like, Uh, what color are my eyes? Yeah, he asks her, Do you remember what the first thing you said to oh, me yeah. was? And he's like, I said that your eyes are beautiful. And she was like, you can continue. Sorry. Yeah. She covers his, uh, yeah, covers his eyes and says, what color are my eyes? Even though she could have just closed her eyes. Yeah. Which means maybe she doesn't trust him. Maybe. And he says, I think they start making out. And then he says, Hazel. Yeah. Or maybe it's the other way around. But he says, Hazel. And then they start kissing him. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a it's a cute little scene between them. It is. It is. It's full of. You feel that um, this is the first time that Luis has shown like actual affection, because mm. usually she's kind of cold and distant for you know, and who could, you know, who could uh, hold it against her for do that, being mm. that way. But it also shows the juxtaposition between the two relationships that are currently happening. Mm-hmm. Two people that are actually like in love as as much as they can be uh and two people that are just having a fling yeah exactly so morning comes and uh jimmy is sleeping in the bed and louise is just standing by the window smoking a cigarette and i don't know if you noticed but her hand is shaking Mm, i think so yeah so she's obviously very nervous about what's to come and then they go down to the diner and uh louise says goodbye to jimmy knowing it will likely be a forever goodbye and jimmy mm-hmm. doesn't really realize it he's like i'll see you soon so they share a long kiss and uh after they kiss it's like at the din like at the at the table inside mm-hmm. the diner they kiss for a long time and it's like a very passionate kiss um the there's waitresses like in the corner like watching and they cut to them and they're all mm. kind of like giggling and like laughing Ooh. yeah exactly uh, save by the bell <laughs> cue, cue the save by the bell sound effect um of the pre-recorded audience or whatever <laughs> and uh one of the waitresses comes up to her and she was like she's like I thought we were going to have to call the fire department. Yeah. It was getting so hot. I had that written down. I thought we were going to have to put out a fire. And I was like, wait, what was that from? Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. 
but they while she's looking at them i think that has something to do with her like her past she's Mm -hmm. she's they're laughing and giggling and judging and they keep cutting between her like looking at them and them looking at her so it's uh i think she's kind of like maybe saying goodbye to her past or you Mm -hmm. know realizing like what what her past actually used to be so um very insightful yeah thelma comes to the diner and tells Louise the good news, and she's acting like she's on drugs. And yeah. Louise even comments, she's like, "You're acting like you're either on drugs or you're drunk or something." And Thelma's wearing like a JD's button-up mm-hmm. shirt, and she has the like first two or three buttons open, and then she points to like a hickey on her neck, and then she starts mm-hmm. like very uh, when Harry met Sally, like laughing like very loud, and everyone like starts looking at her. Um, her hair is messed up too. Yeah, and she even Louise makes a comment about it. Um, and Louise seems very happy when Thelma tells her the good news that, uh, as Louise puts it, you finally got laid properly. Mm-hmm. And they are laughing about it. And she asks where uh, JD is, and she's like, he's taking a shower. And louise's street smarts and natural distrust of people kick in and she's saying she asks them you left them alone where the money is and she immediately gets up and runs yeah. and thelma runs up after her and she assumes correctly and jd steals her life savings because thelma's an idiot yep yep and this is the midpoint of the movie yep which is usually the lowest point in the character's uh, story. And that's exactly what this is. The mm-hmm. lowest point. This is the man- money. <laughs> the Manny. This Manny. Is, this is the money they were counting on to help them live their life. Mm-hmm. Not. It was just going to help them carry them for get a little to Mexico. Bit. Yeah. Uh, and in the total role reversal, one of the things I love about this movie, Thelma has to be the strong one because Luis basically crumples up and starts mm-hmm. crying and saying, like, it's over. Like, I don't know what we're going to do. And Thelma has to be the strong one. She says, you know, she pull, literally pulls her up and is like, get your ass up. We're leaving. Come on, mm-hmm. let's go. Um, she has to pull Louise out of her depression spiral instead of the other way around. So they're like two characters, uh, two ships passing in the night. Sure, Captain Getty. Have <laughs> <laughs> you not heard that expression before? No, I have. So following that scene, uh, we get a scene where the cops and the feds, a big group of them, visit Daryl's house and they set up a tap on Daryl's phone. And there's an, uh, another funny thing, and I feel like this was not in the the script. They like it's raining outside pretty heavily, and then they run up and they all start like laughing mm-hmm. and and um, Harvey Keitel's like afraid of some water and like I don't know. It's just like a cool little funny scene because it seems like real, yeah, like genuine. Daryl gets asked if he's close to his wife and he can't even answer the question. And I forget exactly what, oh, they suggest like, oh, she calls, you should say this and that. And he's like, because women love that shit to show that. And they all start laughing, yeah. It's a question I have to ask. Are you close with her? Yeah, I guess. I mean, I'm about as close as I can be to a nutcase like that. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, if she calls, just be gentle. You know, like you're really happy to hear from her. Like you really miss her. Women love that shit. (laughs) 
Okay, if you say so. Woman love that shit. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just because they know what kind of guy he is. That like that. Uh, would... I took it as just Max. I think isn't it Max that suggests it? Yeah. I was just take it as he's kind of an asshole too. Maybe or maybe he's just trying to like. Like, make fun of him to his face without him realizing it? Like, trying to get his buy-in for it by saying, that, like, yeah, you know, women are dumb. Like, you, know, I know you think that, too. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, I'm on your side. He's trying to, like, um, I don't know, so like connect with him. Yeah, he's saying the shit to him that he's wanting him to say to her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kind of the same thing? Yeah. yeah. Parallel. Did that make sense? Probably not. But at least I use the right pronouns. <laughs> that's true you didn't call her him and him her and all that fucking shit yeah uh so to try and cheer louise up in a beautiful long take thelma robs the liquor store using the exact same monologue that jd used for his robbery mm-hmm. that that scene is just perfect it's not exactly a one like one long take i think mm-hmm. there's one cut where so they park Thelma's driving and Louise is in the passenger seat and Thelma gets out, starts walking towards the liquor store and then uh, Louise looks at herself in the mirror and she uh, notices people staring at her, like mm-hmm. two very, very strange looking older <laughs> women and uh, and then she tries to put on makeup and then she stops and she throws her makeup mm-hmm. out the window and then she's just sitting there. And then Thelma comes running out saying, like, start the car, start the car. Drive! Yeah. I mentioned the scene earlier with the cigarette and not lighting it. The the scene begins with her, with Thelma, lighting a cigarette and handing it to Louise. And Louise is out of it, so she doesn't even realize what happened. Until she looks and she's like, oh, the cigarette's lit. And she throws it away immediately. Mm -hmm. Which is strange. To uh, just keep wasting cigarettes. Because there's another moment where they're smoking she smokes a cigarette, starts smoking it, and she throws it away. And I'm just like, it's so wasteful. Yeah. It's, I mean, this is Cigarettes early 90s. Were cheap back then. You yeah. know, they're not like $10 a pack like they are now. True. Strange that we both know that because they are like $10 a pack now. Yeah. That's why I gave up smoking. Yeah. Just kidding, ladies and gentlemen. I've never smoked in my life. You talking about Marble Man? <laughs> <laughs> why do you think I have this beautiful speaking voice? This acting skill. I'm just thinking of Futurama. We just cut that out. Okay. <laughs> Good. We're getting a little loopy now. Well, we're almost there, kids. Are we? Kind of. I like how it cuts from like she's like, "What did you do?" And then it, she starts to explain what she did, and it cuts to the surveillance tape, and it shows all the cops watching the surveillance tape. And that's where we find out that she stole everything, Brad Pitt jd had told her like mm-hmm. word for word what he says what he does and um i'm sure getty can put the clip in because <laughs> it's really good and they're all watching it and daryl's watching it too and he's like incredible incredible incredulous incredulous dumbfounded uh, yeah he can't believe what he's seeing um and he especially freaks out when she asks the um the clerk at the liquor store to throw a couple bottles of wild turkey in the bag as well. He's just like, oh my God, who is this fucking lady? Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is a robbery. Now, if nobody loses their head, nobody will lose their head. 
Sam said, y'all lie down on the floor, please, right away. Me too. Ma'am, would you get down? Not you, sir. Let's see who'll win a prize for keeping their cool. Sir, would you do the honors? Take all the cash out of that girl, put it in a paper bag. Yes, ma'am. You're going to have an amazing story to tell all your friends. Not you'll have a tag on your toe, but you decide. All right, hurry up. Let's go. Ma'am, would you be quiet? Sir, sit down, please. Thank you. Just stay there. Just get real comfortable. Hey, uh, bottles of wild turkey, too, will you? Yes, ma'am. Now you get down to? Yes, sir. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you all for your cooperation. Now stay down on the floor till I'm gone. Have a good day. Jesus Christ. Good God. My Lord. There is a running thing with her with uh, liquor bottles, and she always wants, like, the small ones, mm -hmm. which is bizarre, but whatever. It seems like you're drinking less, I guess. But if you drink 20 of them, it's the same size as yeah. a pint. So as they're driving, uh, it's kind of funny because at first uh, Louise is like, shit, Thelma, shit, shit. And then she starts, like, not getting excited about it, but kind of, like, laughing about it as mm -hmm. she's saying, like, shit, I can't believe you did that. And Thelma's just, like, playing it cool because now Thelma's the cool, mm -hmm. the cool one. Um, and then while they're driving, uh, they meet who I lovingly referred to as the pig trucker uh it's a guy driving an 18 wheeler and he uh it's a gas truck yes but yeah he's a pig so that makes sense he calls himself something else and i don't captain muff diver Ca captain muff diver that's right and his name is actually on isn't that the, your uh, username on xbox <laughs> i don't want people following me on xbox you want to play call of duty with gaddy you at captain muff diver um yeah no, major dumps oh major dumps okay so uh he lets them pass and thelma's like oh aren't truck drivers so nice and yeah. they pull alongside and he starts making um obscene Start obscene hand gestures tongue gestures well that too but he does the hand thing too yeah um he's got the the stereotypical mud flaps with the woman on it that yeah. they're like offended by and I'm like, I guess maybe in 91, but I see them so, I've seen them so often in my life that I'm like, they mean nothing now. Yeah. You know what's worse though? What? The little nuts on the back of a, the little balls, the, the truck bra nuts? brass balls yeah. or whatever. Truck nuts. Those are the fucking worst. If you have, if you have those on your car and you're listening to our podcast, just. That's the equivalent of having an Xbox username of Captain Muff Diver. Captain <laughs> Muff Diver. Or, uh, what is it? Cush Time 42069 or something yeah. stupid like that. Something with 420 and 69 in it. These nuts. Uh, so they try to ignore him, but Louise ends up flipping him off and then they drive off. Um, and then they pull into another gas station. And there's an interesting scene here, and it's almost completely nonverbal. Like, there's no dialogue in it. Uh, Thelma's somewhere else. Oh, I think she's using the bathroom. She's using, like, a porta potty they show her like, coming mm -hmm. out of. But Louise gets out of the car, and she sits down next to this old, old, old man. He looks like he's, like, 114. Mm -hmm. uh, and they both nod at each other, and she sits down next to him. I feel like a lot of these extras are, like, extras in uh, a Leone movie. 
Yeah, maybe. Because <laughs> yeah, just these old people with these these worn out faces. Yeah, he was have... sixty when uh, Once Upon <laughs> a Time in the West came out. It's got some uh, city miles on him. Oh no, it was sixty in 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 sixty eight or eight or sixty nine. Whenever that movie came out. Yeah, he was he was sixty then. Oh yeah. Um. So they just share you know a moment together, and Louise starts taking off her her bracelet, her earrings, her watch. And she, rings. Just, and she just hands it to the guy. She had like four rings on before mm-hmm. the engagement ring. Yeah. And uh, he doesn't really say anything. Like I said, there's no words exchanged. And then Thelma gets out of the uh, of the bathroom, the porta potty. And she looks disgusted when she comes out. And you see that. As you should. Yeah. Louise has a nice new hat. Which I don't know if you noticed, but she essentially traded what she had for the old man's hat Mm -hmm. because he was wearing the hat. But essentially what she's doing now is just relinquishing all of her earthly possessions because she doesn't Mm -hmm. care anymore. And she's just, she's on a path and she's going to do whatever she can to get there. But also, like, none of this shit matters to her anymore. Maybe it's some kind of, like, uh, biblical thing like we mentioned in the last episode of... uh, you know, rich man entering the kingdom of heaven. So she's giving up all her earthly stuff because she's doing it to go to a better place. Or unburdening unburdening herself of the possessions, monetary value. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. That that's yeah. exactly what she's doing. I, I feel like I could be wrong. Um I'll uh, I'll text Ridley and I'll I'll find out <laughs> and find out what he thinks. Yo, Scotty, what's up? I told you not to call me that asshole. <laughs> I would do an English accent because he's English, but yes, yeah. Anyways, um, we see that JD gets arrested and he gets interviewed by uh, Detective Hal and what was his name? Max. Max. And uh, Ned. Sorry, that's his character in Groundhog Day. Oh, okay. Ned Ryerson. Great. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that. Phil! So, he's getting interviewed, and he's <laughs> he's he's being uh, he's being a little prick. He's got his feet up on the table. He's got no respect. So, Hal asked... Uh, what's his name? Max. Now you fucking want me to call... Like, I'm going to call him Phil. <laughs> well, uh, by the way, that was, like, one of the best one-word impressions ever, because I was, like, spot on. Uh, but his name's Max in the movie. Okay, his name's Max. Yeah. Uh, he asked Phil. Oh my God, Phil asked Max. You fucking asshole! Now you got me calling him Phil. <laughs> Hal. Steven. Hal asked Max, uh, "Can I talk to him alone?" And and Max gives him this look. He like raises his eyebrows, like fucking Fuller in Home Alone. He's like, <laughs> "You're in trouble now." Um, and so he leaves the room, and Hal uh, gets right next to. Um jd and he starts asking him questions and jd's being a smart ass and um we see through this conversation that harvey or hal as you want to call him he does actually want to help thumb and louise because mm-hmm. he starts he takes off jd's hat and starts beating the shit out of him with it yeah. and he tells him like if anything happens to those girls i'm gonna hold you responsible he's like they have a chance to get out and they had a chance they had a chance you took, it you took it from them he was like do you think that if you hadn't taken their money they would have robbed that um robbed that liquor store and mm-hmm. then that makes jd think about it and he's like oh shit 
And then when they're taking him, escorting him out of the room, he sees uh, uh, Daryl. He sees Daryl. JD sees Daryl. Yeah. That's why and, I'm like, what happened? And he's I have like, this line written down. I'm like, what does this line mean? And now I remember. And he's things. like, I like your wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all he says is, I like your wife. And then Daryl starts freaking out and then. Like, um, chases him. Yeah. And then JD's like air humping. And. <laughs> Daryl's like, I'll kill you. It's cool because we're finally seeing the real JD. Yes. He's not putting on a front anymore. Not the real JD from the podcast, uh, Fake Doctors, Real Friends. Yes. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, We then cut to um, back to that same rest stop area. uh, And Louise is telling Thelma, like, you have to call Daryl. And she knows, again, she's very intelligent. She knows what's going on. She was like, if anything sounds off, hang up immediately because they're going to try to trace Mm -hmm. you. Um, if he sounds weird or says anything weird, hang up immediately. And this is a hilarious scene. So Thelma calls uh, calls Daryl, and Daryl um, is getting coached by like the FBI, and they're mm-hmm. all that like, "Hey, you know, just try to keep the conversation going as long as can. Be natural. Just ask her where she is, whatever." And uh, so she calls, and you can put the clip in because it's better this way. Yeah. And uh, he answers the phone. He's like, hello. And she's like, Daryl. And he's like, hello, Thelma. And he's like, hi, honey. Or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And she immediately hangs up. <laughs> and then they both know what happened. Yeah. Hello. Daryl, it's me. Thelma, hello. He knows. I need more time. What? All I said was hello. Which apparently is a urban legend that it takes that long to uh, track somebody using a phone apparently you don't need any time whatsoever really like that would have been enough time so i've heard obviously i'm not an expert even in the 90s yeah i think so hmm. um we f- you forgot to mention the guy filling up the tank looked like uh hillbilly adam driver but I i'll forgive I, you yeah i didn't notice it <laughs> i didn't notice it um so after that one, after that call, um, Louise calls and she says, Daryl, let me talk to the police. Daryl says, there's no police here. What are you talking about? She's it like, takes, him, takes him a while to answer because he doesn't know how to improv because he's just being like, uh, 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 and then he eventually he's like, there are no police here. So, so uh, Hal gets on the phone and speaks to louise and they're very you know nice not flirty but like you know what i mean like old friends kind of and hal even says like i feel like i know you already and she's like yeah well you don't um and then we find out that jd has revealed where they were going because hal asks louise like do you really think you're gonna make it to mexico and louise has a face of like shock on her I think she like hangs up right then and there. Yeah, because now they know where she's going, so they can try to stop her before she gets there. Mm-hmm. And so she gets really pissed at Thelma for telling JD that for being an idiot. Yeah, and that's what she says. So they have another um, argument about that and how she needs to stop telling people everything. And then we get another appearance from Captain Muff Diver. <laughs> Actually, there's a really cool scene where they're driving through Monument Valley. It's night. It just feels, it feels fake, and at the same time, kind of feel. It feels like a uh, 
a David Lynch movie with when she's she gets out of the car and she's yeah. just like standing in that field fucking beautiful yeah. like even though it's kind of creepy yeah. it's weird but kind of also comforting at the same time like a, a david lynch movie yeah i can see that yeah that was uh ridley's attempt at being david lynch does um does anything happen in this second she just says ignore him right something like that i did write down in my notes um I think this is where he calls himself Captain Muff Diver. Yeah, he does. This is that night, and he's honking. He's like, call me Captain Muff Diver. Um, and I thought, I put in there, like, you can shoot that guy. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to kill someone, you're out in the middle of nowhere, it's nighttime, why not? Yeah. He's an asshole. No one's going to miss him. Except for the people who are waiting for the gas. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. People relying on the gas to be delivered. <laughs> Is he just driving around with one full truck of gas for several days? Like, not really going much of anywhere? Oh, yeah, he just... He also avoiding Texas? Yeah. Um, so, we then cut to the next morning and more driving. Surprise, surprise. And Thelma starts laughing uh, just out of the blue. And Louise is like, what's so funny? And... Thelma starts reminiscing about the humor behind the horror of when they shot Harlan. And uh, Louise is like, that's not funny. And Thelma's still laughing and she's almost Mm. in tears that she's laughing so hard. And she's like, I know, I know it's not funny. Um, But then they start talking a little bit more serious and we get a kind of confirmation that Louise was raped in Texas. Mm -hmm. And that's why she doesn't want to talk about it and why she's so averse to driving through Texas. <clears throat> I have it written down. You was raped in Texas. <laughs> Which I'm going She's, is that how she says it or she, yeah, obviously unless yeah. you're just uh I mean putting it in the redneck dialect. It happened to you, didn't it? What? What are you talking about? In Texas. I mean that's what that's what happened, isn't it? You was raped. You was raped. Sorry, that's horrible. I'm not, I'm not gonna put that in. Was that Forrest Gump? <laughs> yeah, it was raped. Jenny. Jenny. You're a mama. Like me. Thank <laughs> Forrest. Like Daddy's me. name Forrest too? <laughs> Magic legs. Magic legs. I don't know why that line's so funny Is he to me. smart like me? Is, is, is he like me? Is he like me, not smart like me, because it's not smart. Um... <clears throat> So, their luck eventually runs out, and they get pulled over by a cop. Uh, they don't know what to do, so it takes them a while to actually like, pull over for them, because they're like, well, maybe they'll just give us a ticket. Yeah. I I would use the term cop loosely, because he looks like a stripper a pretending to be a cop. Yeah, yeah he does. Because <laughs> like, his shirt's too, too small for him. It's really... looks. It's like... Costume design wasn't nominated for uh, this movie, but if it was, then they would have taken that nomination They would have won three Oscars for this. Uh, Yeah, so this big hulking, you know, exactly like Gaddy described it, it pictures someone who's actually like, who works for a reputable strip company who dresses up as a cop, not like the fucking one that you pay like $39 for like I did once. Yeah. no, this guy is a good-looking guy. <laughs> took me a second to realize what you said. <laughs> good. Um, so he pulls him over, and uh, Louise asks, like, 
is something the matter officer he's like actually yeah something is the matter can i see your license and she gives him a license and she was like was i speeding and he was like yeah you were going 110 how okay now who's fucking stupid like who was driving it was louise yeah Why don't we, is it louise louise yeah louise who was driving 110 miles an hour being when wanted they know that they're they've been charged i think officially at this point with murder so are you fucking like how fucking stupid i mean yes you want to get to your destination as quickly as quickly as possible the first thing you do is dump your car yeah that too i know that they love that car and i I mean the car is absolutely beautiful but like that would be the first thing to get rid of that's the first thing they're looking for Mm -hmm. but i guess they aren't career criminals like you and i so welcome back to our podcast of uh how to get away with murder uh isn't that the name of an abc show yeah i think it is and like the premise was that was like a class like a college class of like they have 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 to it sounds like fucking the soap opera so (sighs) So she gets pulled over, and um, the cop tells Louise to get out of the car. And for some reason, he puts her in the front seat with her, with him. I don't, know, I don't know why. Yeah, she goes in the front seat. Yeah, I'm entirely sure. He's why like, the front. "Come with me to my car," and she asks him, "Like, do you want me to sit in the front or the back?" And he says, "Sit in the front." And he asks, uh, she asks him, "Like, am I in trouble?" And he's like, "In my, what does he say? In my eyes, yes, you're in a lot of trouble." And this is before he knows that they're wanted. Was he going to do something bad to them or her? No, probably just arrest her. Yeah. I think he was running the plates and then they'll find was, out yeah, that they're wanted. To. And before that can happen, uh, Thelma shows up and she puts a gun to the cop's head, which Louise is completely taken by surprise again mm-hmm. by the boldness of what she's doing. The truck nuts on that woman. Yes, the brass truck nuts she has. Um, and they take the cop out, and they she shoots holes in the trunk of the car. And Louise asks, um, what are you doing? And Thelma's like, air holes. And they put the cop in the trunk of the car. And I think the cop does a really good job, the actor playing the cop, uh, or maybe it was a Ridley Scott decision or whatever, but he starts crying and he's mm-hmm. like, please, no, I got a family. Uh, instead of just being like a stoic, like, oh, fuck you bitches, or you're going to be in trouble or whatever. He like, he yeah. starts crying and shaking and he doesn't want to get put into, hmm. I would imagine it's a very hot day anyway. Yeah. And there's two air holes in there. Like if you're at all claustrophobic, like that seems mm-hmm. very scary. Um, so they shoot the radio in the car, and before they do that, they take his ammo belt and for more ammo that we're just going to waste in a few more scenes. Yeah, uh, yeah. And then um, they even trade sunglasses. So th- they're being very nice and like, "Oh, can I trade you sunglasses too?" And Louise takes uh, his aviators, of course, because he's uh, a, a cop, so he has to and have, a pilot. He has to have aviators on. Um, and they lock him in and close the close the door. And they actually, I don't know why the cop has beer in the trunk of his car, but they steal that too. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Maybe he common, took it for someone to use it. Yeah. yeah. It was probably warm at this point. So. Yeah, because mm-hmm. it seems like very, very hot outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and they take off. And once again, uh, Louise is struck by the, the balls, the set of balls on Thelma to do something like that. And um, 
You would think there'd be a way in cop cars to get out of the trunk. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I know there are in most cars now. Yeah. So, uh, one thing I forgot to mention, a great quote, uh, when he's when they're putting the cop in the trunk, uh, he's like, no, please, I have a wife and I have a family. And Thelma says, well, be sweet to your wife. My husband wasn't sweet to me and look how I turned out. So mm-hmm. that's funny. It's pretty good. It's pretty good, man. I like it. I think it's Louise says, I think we've, I think I got us in a situation where we're both going to get killed. Wow. Spoilers. Wait, they die? You mean one of the most infamous endings of the... the Wait, okay, we'll, 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 we'll talk about it when we get there, but okay, I think we have some difference of opinion over here. Well, I wouldn't say infamous, probably famous. It's famous, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're also constantly drinking and driving, which... Yes. Which is smart, you know, when you're trying to get away from the cops and trying to keep your wits about you and you're driving 110, intoxicated... At all, yeah, it adds in up. the heat. Yeah. Sorry, am I boring you? Yes. <laughs> it's my episode. I'm... Louise has uh, one last phone call with Detective Hal, who pleads with her to turn herself in and try to rectify their troubles. Uh, he's he's still trying to say, like, listen, I know you didn't mean to shoot him. We can't explain the the robbery, but yeah. like we can try to help you. I just need you to come in and um he also tells Louise that he knows what happens to her in Texas, mm-hmm. which I'm sure after running their files, they're able to tell. Yeah. Um, and once he mentions that, Thelma immediately hangs up the phone. Thelma hangs up the phone for Louise mm-hmm. while uh, Louise stands there just kind of like mouth agape. And this is where they track them. Yes. This scene. Because it's a long conversation that they have between each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the conversation begins with, like, I almost feel like I know you. And she's like, well, you don't. I already said that. You did? Okay. Yeah. Well, so I'm trying to pay attention. <laughs> I said it better, I'm sure. Yeah, sure. More more acting. You can, you can put the, the clip in, and then neither one of us has to act. <laughs> I'm sure the our audience would be very pleased about that. Mm-hmm. Louise, I almost feel like I know you. Well, you don't. Uh, following that scene, Thelma and Louise have a conversation, driving, if you can believe it, with yet another uh, reversal of roles where Thelma tells her that she can't go back, something has changed in her, and for once in her life she truly feels free. And as Getty mentioned before, when they start out, you know, uh, Thelma's dressed like all in white, in a mm-hmm. long flowy dress, very feminine, and as the movie has progressed, they've become more and more for lack of a better word, grungy, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, you know, their hair is messy. They're not wearing any makeup. Like, they're they're throwing away the ideals of what people thought of them or what yeah. thinks what they should be. Um, Less feminine, more gender neutral. They're doing what they want to do. They're not trying to please anybody or mm-hmm. like, oh, make a man happy or whatever. They're doing what they want to do for the first time, or at least Thelma for the first time in her life. They're saying, fuck the patriarchy. Yeah, just like Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. It's me. Hi, I'm the problem. It's me. Or actually, that was um, Jake Gyllenhaal, right? He had the oh, fuck the patriarchy keychain, Tressa, right? Okay. <laughs> well, they did date. 
Taylor Swift and yeah. Chuck haven't Chuck. you ever heard the fucking twelve minute version of that song? No, I don't listen to Taylor Swift. What you is it? Ten minute version. Oh, ten minute version. I'm sorry, Taylor. <laughs> I hope you still listen to us. You want to be a guest on the podcast? Yeah. We'll talk about Donnie Tarko. We can talk about <laughs> that song. Shit. Um. The music uh, in this scene gets very dramatic, I'd say, just so I can say that Hans Zimmer did the score. That's where I have it in my notes. He has the uh, one of the keyboards in the um, video killed the Radio Star music video. Oh. Uh, that came out recently, that like revealed recently that he was the guy. Uh, it doesn't really look like him, but uh, he was in. He did. He did the score for The Lion King, The Dark Knight, Pirates of the Caribbean, Man of Steel, Blade Runner twenty forty nine, which is an amazing score. I mean, all of those are amazing. Uh, Interstellar, which might be the best. I agree. Yes, I would agree with that 100%. The Ring, which I have to say because Valerie loves The Ring. and uh, true Valerie? <laughs> and True Romance, which this movie and True Romance have... I, I, I can see a lot of inner inspiration from Thelma and Louise for True Romance. And ironically, True Romance was directed by ridley scott's brother yeah Tony scott. Scott. there you go that's why that's why that's why and maybe the quentin tarantino connections kind of make me think of it too yeah true um Romance. so as they continue driving they meet the beaver hunter once again <laughs> and they come up with a plan his name is earl is it yeah that's oh, what okay. it says on his door on his door yeah the door of his truck oh really mm-hmm. i didn't even notice that um so they come up with a plan and they ask him to pull over to the side of the road, like to follow her and pull over. Mm-hmm. Uh, Earl thinks he's going to get lucky. The girls have something else in mind. The music is playing and one of the lines of the lyrics says, better not look down if you want to keep on flying. More flying imagery. Wow, more flying or imagery. Words, I guess, at this point. Yeah, sure. Um... So he pulls, uh, he pulls in, and he pulls out a like a nine pack of condoms, and he like kisses them before he he puts them in his pocket, and the two girls are posted up, just chilling, waiting for him, and it's at this point where like they've gone full fuck the patriarchy mode, um, full outlaw, yeah, full outlaw. Uh, Thelma's wearing a cut off like Harley Davidson shirt, which I'm sure like. I don't know where she got it from, but I don't think she owned that shirt before. Probably not. Yeah. So uh, Earl comes up and he thinks that he's going to have a good time. and In front of like a, a shop or something. I, cause I wrote down that they're taking him to somewhere secluded. But if you watch it, you're like, no, there are people there. Yeah. So it's like, what did he expect to happen? Yeah. Well. How many times was he expecting to be able to deliver deliver yeah we'll see we'll use that word because it's like jesus christ eight yeah you're a little late in in life to be uh, expecting to maybe he sits down so much that he doesn't have much feeling there anyways (laughs) um so he goes up to them and he quickly realizes that it's not going to be what he thought it was going to be Mm -hmm. um they basically tell him what a disgusting uh pig he is and He's like, what if you, what if someone did what you did to your sister or your mom? Yeah. How would you feel? And the guy's like, he has like a smirk on his face. And as they continue giving him shit, his smile like starts to fade more and more. He's the most cartoonish character. Yes. 
most cartoonish unrealistic performance in the movie he acts like cousin eddie from the vacation movies it's bizarre and uh so he starts walking away and uh louise tells him like you need to apologize and he's like fuck you (laughs) put the clip in because it's better no that was better (laughs) oh thank you thank you i think you should apologize i ain't apologizing for shit you say you're sorry fuck that you say you're sorry or i'm gonna make you fucking sorry oh jesus i bet you even called us favors on your cb radio didn't you yeah sure did damn i hate that i hate being called a beaver don't you you gonna apologize or what and louise is like i really think you need to apologize and he doesn't so uh louise shoots all his tires out and he's like you fucking bitch i'm gonna get you and then uh, women are crazy and then doesn't she say like damn right or something like that something like that yeah and so thelma and louise together shoot the tanker and it makes a huge explosion they shoot the tires first. Yeah. Which I thought Louise, that's... Louise think, uh, shoots the tires. Which, they, yeah, I thought that's what they were going to do. Maybe it was just that they shot the tires first as a threat, and then they escalated it because he didn't apologize. Exactly. And she says, uh, you, say you're, you say you're sorry, otherwise I'm going to make you sorry, which is such a dad thing to say. I'm going to give you something to cry about. Yeah. Here's Kanye West's new album. <laughs> That reminds me of like a, a funny com. It's like a like a little four panel meme, and uh, it's basically the, the a small kid and the dad, and the dad is like, "Don't you cry, or I'll give you something to cry about." And then in the next sequence, he hands him a, a book saying like, "The history of hip hop after two thousand or something," uh-huh. and then the kid starts crying because mm. hip hop is. Anyways, that's funny. Yeah, great. I guess you would have to appreciate hip hop to find it funny to begin with. Well, and the fact that you mentioned Kanye, because say what you will about him as a person, he's had some great music. Yes, after two thousand. Okay, I would pick somebody. It just made stupid. me think of it. Someone stupid, huh? Yeah. I mean, he's stupid, of course. He's more than stupid. This is turning into let's, uh, let's move on. Side-train. So after blowing up uh, the beaver hunters' uh, livelihood, yeah, they, we didn't say that that they start shooting the vehicle, the, uh, yes, the tanker. They explode it. You said it that? explodes. They shoot it and they explode. Which explodes. has been proven that that won't happen. Yeah, but and it's yeah. like a massive explosion. Like yeah, that's the other thing taken into like question. Someone like dropping a fucking bomb. Gasoline. So how big of an explosion? If it was empty, maybe the air. I don't know. Like there's a whole. I've never really fucked around with gasoline, so that's unfortunate. So after doing that, they get back in the car, they drive away, and their luck has finally really run out. I do have to mention this one scene because it made me laugh, and it was so freaking random in the movie. It didn't need to be in the movie, but there's a guy who's riding a bike, very 90s look, He's kind of like a Rastafarian. He's listening to like Ray Gay or whatever and uh, smoking a joint. And he get, he approaches the cop car where uh, the policeman, the stripper, has been put into the trunk. Very slowly. 
And he's like, hey, somebody help me. And uh, so he goes over to him. He doesn't even say a word to him. And the cop's like finger comes out of one of the, the bullet holes. He's like, the keys are over there. And then the Rastafarian just takes a big hit from his joint and then blows the smoke into the hole. And I'm just like, what is going on? <laughs> Did somebody like smoke some weed and go, you know, it'd be a really funny scene. It's funny. <laughs> no, it is. It's they're, just so they're random. sticking it to the man. Yeah. Kind of the, the fuck the police of, uh, of scenes, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> So, uh, I don't know how to segue into this. Well, like you said, uh, they, uh, they're running out of luck or the run, the luck has completely run out. All the cops in the area or there's any a, cop they can a, find. A, there's chasing. a horde of them chasing yeah. after them, but somehow, uh, they managed to narrowly escape it. Mm-hmm. And they, they're driving off road, and I'm going. That car is really fucking strong because it survived a lot, a lot, yeah. And Louise is an expert driver because mm-hmm. she's maneuvered quite well the entire time, and she hasn't really had any damage to her car at all. Mm-hmm. Um, they almost drive off to the edge of a cliff, and then they stop when the at the edge of the cliff from uh it's a shot from behind and it's like a famous shot Mm -hmm. uh from behind the car and you see a helicopter rise up out of like Mm -hmm. the the chasm 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 the canyon uh there was a really cool shot earlier where they're driving off into the sunset and all the cops are chasing them it's a helicopter shot Mm -hmm. i think that was used in the trailer i think i remember that shot and then it kind of has like the that i don't know how to explain it but the words thelma and louise are getting like further away from the camera but inside the the words thelma and louise is the shot oh cool I've never, that's how i remember it i can't remember seeing a trailer for this so they're stuck they're mm-hmm. basically fucked every cop in the city including uh max and hal are there they all have their They guns. sound like computers. Max and Hal. Yeah. Uh, everybody has their guns pointed. They're all out of the car. And this is it. This is the end game. This is... There's no place for them to go. Don't get scared now. Uh, there is one shot where they're looking over the horizon after they almost drive off. And the camera seems like it's pointed a little too high. Like, you can't even see the horizon. Uh, like you want, they felt like in that shot, you want to be able to see the Canyon and the horizon, but you can't. So it was kind of a weird shot. Maybe it's intentional. Uh, but this is in one of my notes where I have the cinematographer's name, Adrian Biddle, Adrian Biddle, who did amazing, amazing work, aliens, mm-hmm. princess bride, willow, judge dread, mm-hmm. event horizon, the mummy, the world is not enough rain of fire and V for vendetta. And he passed away. Soon after Shortly that, really after out. that, yeah, at the age of fifty-three of a heart attack. Very sad. He's Very. amazing cinematographer. Amazing cinematographer. Um. So, the uh, the cops all have their guns drawn. They're just waiting for them. They're telling them to turn off the engine, throw out the keys, the usual, and they're not complying. Uh, and we see a shot through like a sniper scope of them like talking to each other, mm-hmm. and. Uh, Louise is confiding in Thelma and saying, like, I can't get caught. 
and mm-hmm. Thelma simply says, "Let's not get caught then." Couldn't the sniper have just blown out the tires? And then they couldn't have gone anywhere. Maybe, but um, they are armed, so maybe they would start shooting. Back. Yeah, they know that they're yeah. armed, and Hal uh, is yelling at Max to have them not shoot, lower their guns, and Max is like, "There's nothing I can do. Like they're armed and dangerous." So mm-hmm. they, this is protocol. This is protocol. Um, so um, after Thelma says, "Let's not get caught," to Louise, they. Uh, she puts her hand on the gear shifter and then Thelma puts her hand on the gear shifter and then they share a kiss mm-hmm. and it's like a, it's not Platonic. a, yeah, it's not a romantic kiss. They don't hold on it for too long, but it's like the perfect amount of time where you feel like, I don't know. I like, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like a perfect moment. Cause it's like the perfect amount of time mm-hmm. and there's nothing in your head that you're like, Oh my God, they were lesbians this whole time. Yeah. Like there's nothing like that. I think a lesser movie made nowadays would probably just make them outright lesbians. It's like, well, that's not really the point, is it? Right. And it's not the point. So after they do, um, they do that, they slam on the accelerator and there's a slow motion shot of them like driving away and Hal mm-hmm. is running after them with his hands in the air. Like, <laughs> which I'm like, what are you going to do? They're, they're in a car. Yeah. But... Yeah. He's just trying to get them to stop because he knows what they're going to do. Yeah. And the car accelerates and we get one of the most famous shots probably in like cinematic history of the car floating. Yeah. And they magically turned into mannequins. It was great. So yeah. they're still alive. It's cool. Yeah. And then the screen uh, fades to white. And then we get the credits, but they, the credits are overlaid over images that we see of them from the beginning, yeah. which I think is like really great. I wish the credits weren't rolling over that. Yeah. I think it was just, I wish it would just be the flashback of those moments. At least the moment where they took the picture, like that famous Polaroid. Yeah. Uh, which bugs me a little bit because it's not the, uh, the actual Polaroid. It's a, polaroid framing around them taking a picture of themselves so they're not looking at it but that always bugs me in movies where they just take a screen that's like the cover yeah um yeah maybe just that moment of them taking that picture would have yeah i agree with that yeah i think because it's it's very strange that the movie you know it doesn't really take its time it doesn't drag on or anything Mm -hmm. like that but it seems like that moment just comes and goes so fast and it's like the movie's over and it's like damn we didn't even have any time to process it so i think they should have faded to white mm-hmm. and then gone to the clip of them like you know and it's it's really cool that they do that because it's like you know you've been watching and traveling with them and changing with them and watching them change for like the last two hours mm-hmm. and then you're like oh fuck i forgot like that's what they look like when this movie started because yeah. it's like a night and day difference between you know when you see them in the car at the very very end and then this mm-hmm. um kind of like the ending of titanic after all the the craziness you're like oh yeah Kate oh, yeah. Winslet is the old woman. Yeah. Um, and that is Thelma Louise and the Beaver Hunter. <laughs> Captain Muff Diver. Uh, would you recommend this movie? Absolutely. Yes. I, I could have guessed that you would have said yes. Yeah. In case I haven't, like, I don't know, talked this movie up enough. Mm-hmm. Gaddy, would you recommend <laughs> this movie? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's not something that i don't think it's really aged poorly as far as Uh, its ideas and i have more about that in the uh, in my actual review um 
Yeah, so let's let's hear your review. Okay, my review. Uh, so it's really for refreshing. It's really refreshing to see a movie with strong female leads who have actual character arcs and that are believable and realistic and fulfilling to the audience. I think that this movie coming out in the very early 90s was truly groundbreaking as no one was really making anything like this. And unfortunately, still to this day, um, these movies don't get made about these kinds of characters. Mm -hmm. The story is totally compelling and it pulls you in immediately with not a wasted moment in the film. There's not an extraneous scene or anything that's like, wow, that scene could have been cut. Well, the Rastafarian, but... No, it's funny. It's a little bit of levity in like the serious moment, I guess. Uh, If you're saying could be, then I would say the Rastafarian should be, then I wouldn't say. Yeah. I would agree with you. Um, With an amazingly talented stack cast, everyone is pitch perfect in their roles. It's funny. It's sad. It's shocking. It's beautiful. It's so much more. Um, And I mean, don't even get me started on the gorgeous fucking cinematography by Adrian Biddle, for which he was rightfully nominated Mm -hmm. uh, for best cinematography um oscars it still looks better than 95 percent of the movies being released today well yeah because it's film yeah it's just there's something about the look of it that is so unique and so beautiful (laughs) and like you know ridley scott movie everything is filmed but you know ridley scott i think is everything's like desaturated now kind of with well him. now sure yeah now he's doing the generic digital cinematography but yeah. then he was doing blade runner and alien and yeah you know all which, these which are two of the best shot movies yeah. um but just just the contrast and the the super saturated skies and just like it's the the vistas are beautiful the interiors the bar the lighting just everything about it is just like fucking incredible like i love the way this movie looks and a lot of it is shot during magic hour so you get those beautiful yeah. like oranges and yellows of the sun rays with the contrast of the cars just like there's a there's a beautiful shot of the it's like really low angle of the car driving and it like drives alongside them and mm-hmm. the sun is like setting um on the passenger side mm-hmm and it continues going on like along the car in like a very low like wide angle and it's just like such a simple well it's not simple to to do but it's just a simple shot but it's yeah. like so beautiful um i think this is definitely one of my top 3 ridley scott movies wow and that's that's saying a lot it is it really is actually you know i take that back it's not cuz i'm trying to think of what my number i know what my number 3 would be it's it's not this but yeah i haven't really seen too many other I feel like I've seen most of his filmography. Then I'll just ask you right now. I know I keep interrupting you. Yeah. But uh, what are your top three in order? Um, I don't know about it in order. Um, Alien is definitely on there. Blade Runner is definitely on there. And I think probably this movie. Um, That's not to say that he doesn't have a bunch of other great movies because Black Hawk Down is fucking fantastic. I would say... I see... I said this before about alien and blade runner that when i watched blade runner i'm like oh that's definitely my favorite and then i watched alien i was like god damn it it's tough to choose it's i think tough alien might just be just above blade runner for me and then uh for number three would probably be matchstick men oh yeah i i do really like that movie but you really love that movie i love that just great i think it's nicholas cage's greatest performance which is saying a lot it's definitely most underrated performance yeah um 
So I would say this movie is pretty fucking close to a masterpiece for me. So my overall score is a 9.12 out of 10. Well, um, I'll say right now, I definitely didn't like it as much as you did. Uh, I guess I... Great, fuck off. <laughs> We're done here. <laughs> uh, I, I have to see Gladiator again. I haven't seen it since like it first came out on video. But uh, <clears throat> I think it's interesting to review this movie now uh, after the start of the Me Too movement. Now that sexual assault is more revealed than it was 32 years ago. So it's a completely different perspective. Uh, at least in Hollywood, it's more revealed. Uh, the story is relevant now more than ever. It shows how afraid women were and possibly still and probably still are uh speaking up against such acts of assault uh that they feel the need to turn to vigilantism i feel that uh but hold on do you think this is like do you consider them vigilantes well that's kind of where it goes with at least with the uh the earl scene uh or where they're kind of being vigilantes uh just that idea of taking the law into their own hands where louise goes we're this guy's gonna keep doing this to people so we have to kill him otherwise he's going to do this again to another woman and also obviously she's acting out of emotion and out of her horrible memory of what happened to her in the past uh yeah so Interesting. I don't see. I can see what you're saying, but I don't necessarily agree that they're vigilantes. Yeah, I'm not not full on like going out or every night. I don't think they're promoting vigilantism as either. I'm just using that as a placeholder term that they have to. I'll say take the law into their own own hands and and then in that moment at least, mm-hmm. and then have a little bit of fun with assholes like Earl. Yeah. Because that's more like having fun because they could have shot him in the dick and just left him there. You know I right? thought that that's what they're going to do. Yeah. Uh, but no, like they that. fucked his livelihood up, so that's mm-hmm. even better sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that it's not every man. is. I like that every man in this movie isn't an asshole, uh, even though most are. Uh, a lesser movie, I think, would have made every single man a piece of shit to truly hammer home the idea that are, that men are assholes. And a lot of men are. I also wrote that statement before I knowing that JD was going to rob them, but at least they have Hal and Jimmy, despite his anger issues. The leads have uh, fabulous chemistry, which might be the most important thing for your leads in a buddy picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two of them are fictional heroes to oppressed women. And while the characters develop, the character development isn't as clean as I'd like it to be. Uh, we do see the mutable, a word used in the LA Times uh, by the LA Times critic in 1991. I read this movie's in that thousand uh, movies book of mine. Oh, okay. The mutable uh, Thelma becomes an outlaw. Now, outlaw is the word I would use. Yeah. Now. Vigilante, obviously. I like the character that the characters are flawed. Uh, maybe too flawed with Thelma at times, like I mentioned, with her being kind of an idiot, especially based on what happened to her before. And uh, but I do. But I do like that Louise pulls that trigger because of what happened to her in Texas. Um, I can't remember what I, my intention was when I wrote that. That she she's killing him as a placeholder for what the person did to her. She's getting revenge yeah. through this guy. Yeah. And she's doing what she w- wished she could have done back then. Mm-hmm. 
the uh, my only real complaint of the mo- of this is that uh, I knew the ending before going in, so it kind of ruined it a little bit for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think uh, I think my score is pretty high, not as high as you probably want it to be, but uh, seven point eight. So you seem a little deflated. Yeah, that's, uh, that is. I was thinking like eight point four or something. Yeah. Okay, fine. <laughs> that's fine no yeah i mean i i could have compared it to other movies and said what did i give this movie but yeah no it's a good movie i will say i will buy it when it comes out on criterion uh if i didn't see this movie beforehand i probably would have been like eh, maybe just or if you know you like oh this movie's great uh, maybe i would have but yeah no i uh i enjoyed it i'm sure if i watch it again and really think about it i'd probably give it more of an 8.4 like you said uh so yeah, no, it's a it's a good it's a good uh, bring bring in homework, whatever word I'm trying to use. Okay, fine. I was gonna say find, but that doesn't make it. It's a good find. Well, you, you knew about it, so yeah. it's not like you found it. Yeah, and everybody knows about them, Louise. But but they, but they don't really know about it. I feel like most people know exactly what Thelma Louise is, but it's yeah. like if you watch the movie or if you haven't watched the movie. You don't know mm-hmm. what it is. It's just like, oh yeah, they they like rob a bank and fucking it's, drive off a cliff. It's one of those movies, yeah, that we all know. Thelma and Louise. We all know Godfather. We all know Singing in the Rain or Song or not Song of the South, um, Sound of Music. But until we actually watch it, we're like, oh, oh, that's what the movie is. And okay. that's and that's one of the points of the my points of the movie is just like there's so much more to it than like mm-hmm. what most people think the movie is, and that's why. For a long time, I probably didn't watch it either because I kind of yeah. thought the same thing. That's how that's how I felt about Singing in the Rain. I was like, oh, it's just some movie from the 50s that we have to watch because it's a, a classic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then you actually watch it. You're like, oh, no, this is this is great. This is why it's gotten so much praise over exactly. the years. Um, trivia. trivia. So I don't have uh, too much. Yeah. Good. Ugh. I know. <laughs> so before Brad Pitt was cast, the role went to William Baldwin, but he ended up dropping mm-hmm. out. George Clooney was rejected multiple times. Mark Ruffalo auditioned. Eventually, the role went to Robert Downey Jr., but Ridley deemed him too short compared to Gina. Uh, Gina Davis is in... By the way, I there's a really good book about the making of this movie called mm-hmm. Driving Off the Cliff. But um, Spoilers. In that book, in that <laughs> book, it says that Gina Davis is six foot, and then in the movie, it says she's 5'10". Hmm. She's very tall. But anyways... Yeah. Um, Gina Davis was actually the one who picked Brad Pitt to do the part. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. 24 police cars and three helicopters were utilized for the film's climax chase scene. Crazy. How many mannequins were killed? <laughs> 17. I wonder how many cars they had to drive off. Yeah. Or did they only get one shot at it? I Real quick about that moment, I watched the Siskel and Ebert review, and that was ebert's big complaint was he's like the movie was so great and then they have that last shot in the movie and it just kind of ruins it and um like he he gave it a really positive review except for the the last shot he's like why would you have to end on a freeze frame well i'll just put in the clip but yeah that was his big complaint was a freeze frame and then of course siskel being who he is it's like i didn't like the movie i really got into this movie and into the characters of those two women who are played with great energy and humor and conviction by Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis. Thelma and Louise may sound like a formula movie about rebels on the run, but it's not formula because the acting, writing, and directing are all looking for the truth 
and the irony in this situation. The movie was directed by Ridley Scott, who made Alien and Blade Runner, and written by Kali Kuhuri. They've created two of the best characters of the year, and I only have one complaint about this movie. It's a very specific one. Mm -hmm. The crucial last shot of the whole film is handled all wrong and steals the catharsis away from the audience. It's a freeze frame, and Scott doesn't allow enough time for it to sink in before he starts the busy end credits and the music and flashbacks of the two women. He upstages his own punchline, and I like this movie so much that that really made me mad. Well, I didn't uh, like the back end of the picture when they get involved uh, in the outlaw world that you talk about at the end. That's when I felt that the picture did get a little bit formula with some, an action scene. And um, I, the other thing is that I happen to think that Susan Sarandon's character and her performance is a whole lot more interesting than uh, Gina Davis. Oh, I don't think so. Well, and that's, that's the way the picture split for me. So in, in those two ways, I think the picture is a little more formula than you're giving it uh, I think, credit for. Well, I think Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon both played very plausible, original characters. I could believe that these women existed, that they were friends, and that they developed the way that the movie shows for them. For me, Gina Davis is a little bit of the kooky character that we associate her uh, playing with all the time, and uh, Sarandon seemed just a little bit more... Uh, not so not so flashy. So you liked the movie, you didn't like the movie? I like parts of the movie. I'm going down, reluctantly. Going down. Because well, I felt that that's the direction of the picture. So. Interesting. Michelle Pfeiffer and Jodie Foster were originally chosen for the leads and accepted the roles, but the pre-production took so long and they ended up dropping out due to having other commitments. Like Silence of the Lambs which would be a completely different movie. So initially committed to produce, Ridley Scott did not think he should direct. Among the directors he sought out for the project were his brother, Tony Scott, Joe Pitka, who uh, I don't know if you know who that is. Doesn't sound familiar. He directed um, The Way You Make Me Feel music video by Michael mm. Jackson and Dirty Diana. All right. Yeah. I don't know if he's done any actual movies, but I know ask. that he did, he did a lot of uh, music videos. Uh, Jeremiah S. Chekchik, I don't know who that is. Chris Menges, Kevin Reynolds, Jonathan Kaplan, Philip Noyce, Harry Hook, and Bob Raffleson. Richard Donner actually wanted to shoot the film, and he called the script historic, but he wanted his wife, Lauren Schuler Donner, to produce, but Scott was not enthusiastic about that because um, originally Ridley Scott was just producing it, and mm -hmm. after not being able to find the correct director, people kept telling him, like, why don't you just direct this? And eventually he was like, wait, no, I've envisioned this movie in my head already. Like, I have it. Like, why don't I direct it? So that's mm -hmm. how he signed on. Laura Shula Donner was the uh, producer on the X-Men movies. Yeah. And so. Superman, right? And probably, well, Superman Returns, definitely. But uh, yeah, she's one of the big reasons why we have superhero movies. Yeah. At one point during production, Ridley Scott considered changing the ending to having Thelma survive after being pushed out of the car by Louise right before she drives off the cliff. So I know that was a point of contention yeah. with uh, Susan Sarandon. She was like, no, that fucking, that can't happen. No. Uh, they're make, in it together. Yeah, they're in it together, and that's the whole point. Yeah, that's the point, because she's like, Thelma, are you coming with me to Mexico or not? And she's like, I'm with you until the end. Yeah. Pretty much. So they both have to die. Yep. Or both have to live. Can't have one without the other. Mm-hmm. In the scene where the tanker trunk... Trunk? <laughs> in the scene where the tanker truck oh my god in the scene where the tanker truck is shot and blown up the reactions of susan sarandon and gina davis were supposed to be genuine rather than filming separate reaction shots ridley scott rigged the tanker to blow up during the take in order to get authentic expressions of surprise from the two leads 
Despite this, they were so astonished while watching it that they forgot to actually react, so Scott had to film the reactions again. <laughs> and that's uh, pretty much it. That's all I got. That's it. That's all. That's it. And that's all. One star reviews. Um, Can't this... wait to hear this from fucking misogynistic assholes. Um, I don't know if I have any of that, but this first one's my favorite, so I should probably end with it, but who cares? Uh, this one is labeled Ridley Scott Sucks. <laughs> from 2003 it says warning spoilers the only thing that ridley scott ever did that was any good was alien at least he acknowledges alien was good everything else he had directed was terrible but this movie in particular is his definitive worst place thelma and louise with two guys say frank and bill and you would have the most sexist movie on the planet but since it's two women they get away with all the male bashing you can take Okay, so maybe it is. Yeah, yeah I figured. I, I knew that there has to be at least one of these. Yeah. Spoiler alert! You actually wrote spoiler alert in it, so. When Gina Davis picked up Brad Pitt, I knew that he... I knew that he was going to rob her blind the morning after. Well, a little faster than me. I guess she was too stupid and guy-struck to realize this, though. I damn near jumped out of my seat and cheered when her and her equally idiotic friend drove off the cliff. It's probably Daryl writing this fucking review. <laughs> I damn near drove off my seat, man. Two less idiots in the world made <laughs> makes a happy ending for me. They're fictional characters, you donut. Uh, Don't, man. <laughs> you ever watch Guy... Um, I was going to say, what are you fucking... Uh, Gordon Ramsay? Gordon Ramsay, yeah. You fucking donkey. Yeah, donkey. He says donut, too. I know. I know. Now, why not cut off the first seven eighths of the movie out now why not cut out uh, i said off now why not cut out the first seven eighths of the movie out you did out twice just show us the suicide run and you'd have a pretty good movie hell if this guy's fucking redneck yeah hell if might just win best picture well, it couldn't be nominated if it was only like how five could minutes you, long. How could you read that and be like, oh, no, there's nothing misogynistic? Well, yeah, I didn't read that far down. I think with this person, I'll tell you why I didn't read too much of this review and immediately put it in. Because he's a fucking idiot? Well, yes. Of course, then the movie would have to be named The Death of Two Morons. Uh, as I do sometimes, rarely ever, but I should do it more often, I look and see what other movies this person's reviewed. Uh, of the ones that he's given uh, actual ratings to, Doctor Who the movie got 10 out of 10. I liked it. I'm not going to read the full thing, though. Thank you. Uh, Along Came a Spider got two. Eyes Wide Shut got one. Clueless got one. It's Pat the movie got one. That's fair. 2001 A Space Odyssey got one. Dumb and Dumber got one. Platoon got one. Uh, Platoon got one? Yeah. 28 Days Later got one. Um, He gave Exorcist the Beginning a 6 out of 10. Vanilla Sky he gave one. The Godfather Part 2, he gave one. Goodfellas, he gave one. Gladiator, he gave one. American Pie, one and two. He gave The biggest fucking moron. He gave Hulk, Ang Lee's Hulk, three. So he's saying that this movie, plus Godfather 2, plus Platoon, plus Goodfellas, or Platoon, put together is as good as Hulk. So uh, he gave Tomorrow Never Dies a three. He gave uh, The Maltese Falcon a nine. Okay, great. So... Yeah, this person's a moron. And point blank from 
the uh, 60s. He gave it a 10 out of 10. So why he loves that movie so much, who knows? But you're a moron person. This one is uh, titled Dreadful. There's not much to say about this film other than other than that it is the that is a lot of other than that it is the worst film Scott has ever done ever made sorry he's calling him Scott too the tagline somebody told them to get a life so they did is somewhat misleading unless the definition of life is murder and eventual suicide I have to agree that that tagline's stupid yeah. <laughs> uh, what is this film trying to prove? That women can also capable that women can also capable leading violent lives. That was the sentence. If this is liberation, then not yeah. If this is liberation, then women should be wary. Had the Gina Davis character left her abusive husband, you know, I wouldn't say he's abusive. Yeah, he is. He's fucking verbally abusive. verbally, sure. Okay. That's fair forged out a new independent life for herself and found happiness now that would have been inspirational but alas all we get is another road movie glamorizing violence yawn 65 out of 154 people found this helpful and lastly this is labeled a terrible film and a bad message <laughs> like uh uh casey case yeah i was just about to say you a terrible film and a bad message I had heard about the film Thumb and Louise for almost my entire life, so I figured I should finally try to watch it all as it was on TV, but that was a big mistake because this is a terrible film with a bad message. That was all one sentence. It portrays almost all males as terrible humans always about to hurt women. Did I skip a line? No, I didn't. The women are portrayed as stupid and reckless while the cops and judgmental system, judicial system, close enough, judicial system is feckless. The music is bad and the cinematography is even worse due to... Oh my god. Due to filters or something causing poor hue and image quality. Filters like on Instagram or... Christ. This was made in 1981, idiot. Uh, The act from these... The acting from these... Famous actors is likewise terrible. Some of the worst of their retro, their respective careers. Retrospective. I'm an idiot. Also watching this trash, I was, am astonished that this film was not immediately drubbed by all the forgotten. What? A solid one out of ten in my book. Nice. When was that um, review made? this last uh november okay so yeah Yeah. that's what he's talking about filters yeah doesn't understand cinematic free so i already know the answer to this question but what have you seen recently Mm, along with you separately but yes yeah separately uh we saw um eternal sunshine of the spotless mind Mm -hmm. at the new beverly and that was beautiful the print was excellent really great hadn't seen that movie in a long time and i still i got it on 4k and i still haven't watched it yeah I me was too wait, i was waiting to see it in 35 yeah um so i'm excited to see it in 4k but um it was, yeah it's just beautiful which still, we're supposed to watch it this month for the podcast but we won't maybe next month but that's not our next episode okay uh but we'll, i'll get to that in a second sorry um 
yeah, still holds up as my second favorite movie of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tressa came and she loved it. She That's one of her favorite movies, and I'm not joking about yeah. that for once. <laughs> I was going to say, normally I would think you were joking. Uh, I was hoping you weren't because this isn't the one of those movies where... You know, you don't joke about this kind of. No, movie. not that you don't joke about it, but like, if someone goes, "I hate this movie," then they're a horrible person. Yeah. <laughs> Which so. I'm sure I can't wait to read the one star reviews oh, on that. Oh, but um, that. yeah, other than that, uh, just been keeping up to date with uh, The Last of Us on HBO. Irreversible, the straight cut as well. Oh my god, that was so, that was yeah, the day we recorded. It's yeah, it's been a while since we recorded. Yes, we saw the straight cut in theaters. Landmark. And there was, um, yeah, it was definitely an experience. Uh, I guess we should kind of review it. Uh, I said in the episode where we talked about Irreversible that I don't think it would have worked as well forward. I will agree with that. I when the movie started because it starts on obviously on the, what is normally the last scene of the movie. I thought, you know, it'd be an interesting way to watch it is to watch it, the original version, and then the straight cut, like back to back to just watch it kind of like boomerang back. I, I wouldn't because that'd be an intense, <laughs> yeah, like three and three hours and 15 minutes or whatever it would end up being. But yeah, that would be an interesting way to watch it. That would be, you'd have a lot of time in your hands. This is what you're doing for a living just to experiment with stupid ideas like that. Mm-hmm. Crazy ideas. I wouldn't say stupid. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I agree with myself that it oh, works better in reverse. Uh, but it's interesting because it is scenes are hinting at in the back or in the normal version, scenes are hinting at what's already happened. So that way you're like anticipating it. I that that makes sense. Like it's definitely written to be backwards. But um, yeah, no, it's it's. It's interesting to watch, and I, I enjoyed it as almost as, as much can, yeah. as uh, the first time I watched the the original version. But it was really nice seeing it in theaters, mm-hmm. um, and there were there's like nobody there, but there are a lot of women there, which surprised yeah, me. Yeah, very surprising about that, and everyone seemed kind of on the younger side. So I'm curious about if they had seen the movie or if they had just heard about it by you know reputation. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I wanted to, kind of just idiotically go up to people and just be like, hey, like, what'd you think? What'd you think? Was this the first time you saw it? Just to get people's opinions because yeah. I'm always interested in yeah. these divisive films and seeing how, um, you know, how they liked it. And yeah, still, as much as it pains me to say it, I still really enjoyed this movie. Yeah, uh, it was much harder to watch the harder scenes in the movie. But there's a lot of stuff that um, I was able to notice seeing it on a big screen and with the sound being better and all that. So overall, definitely appreciated it and uh, glad that we went. And, you know, it'll probably be another five, ten years before I watch the movie again. Yeah, let's hope so. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I can't see myself watch. I said that last time, but I can't see myself watching it again. I will say it was an easier view to watch with the exception of the the mid point of the movie uh that scene wasn't any easier to watch it's harder uh i I don't know if it was necessarily harder because it's just difficult to watch in general but the movie in general the movie as a whole felt like it was an easier watch like it went by pretty fast in my opinion yeah 
Well, it's, yeah. It's only an hour and a half. So. Yeah, it's not very long. So, yeah. And that's it. Uh, I also saw Titanic 4K 3D. I don't know. I don't get the 4K aspect of it because it's just projected on a giant screen. So, mm-hmm. it doesn't look that much better if it's in 4k i just always assumed it's always been in 4k on those screens if it's digital uh the 3d was pretty cool i wish i sat closer to the screen but definitely awesome to see that movie in theaters of course it was digital would have been better on film but still really cool to see uh because i haven't seen that i think in like 10 years since the blu-ray came out oh wow i watched the documentary fire of love uh i'll probably go into more detail about it in our oscar episode uh, Academy Award episode, and you know, but I'll say uh, I liked it quite a bit. It's probably going to win Best Documentary. And I, speaking of Oscar-nominated movies, I saw Elvis finally. Really enjoyed that movie, but again, I'll go into more detail in our Oscar episode. And lastly, I saw Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania, which severely disappointed, but it's just supposed to start the this phase of Marvel movies, a lot of memes, not necessarily memes, but a lot of screenshots of Modoc in the movie <laughs> going around weird asses. Yeah. Weird little Hank Hill ass. Yeah. So I'll say my big review, my big, my big bullet points of my review is too many silly, like some of the silliest moments in any of the Ant-Man movies, any of the Marvel movies happening in the movie while they're also trying to establish the next Thanos. And like, he's also supposed to be this like really dark character. So the tone was all over the place and it didn't work for me. Got it. Okay. But what about homework? Homework. So in retrospect, the night of the hunter should have been eternal sunshine. Not only did that episode come out on Valentine's day, but uh, I mean, you can say it. you fucked up. It's it's okay. Yeah, we all make mistakes. Just I don't reg- never, I don't regret never as big as that one. <laughs> I don't regret us talking about that movie. Uh, but next week's episode will definitely come out in March, and next week's episode will definitely come out in March. And uh, next week we'll be talking about well, we're recording again. Okay. Next week we'll next week we'll be recording with Oscar, and we'll be talking about the Oscars. We'll talk about who's nominated, who should have been, and who shouldn't have been nominated, who should win, and who we think will win. It's our first annual, hopefully, uh, Oscar prediction episode. Um, yeah, we'll talk about schedules afterwards. But Hammer it out. Uh, so thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, if you don't like Thelma and Louise, you can get in your car and drive off a cliff. Safely. But as long as you're uh, into Doctor Who the movie. That's that's what matters the most, I guess. Okay, and speaking of <laughs> driving off a cliff, you drove that joke into a cliff. Because it wasn't funny. Huh? Yeah. He drove, <laughs> drove, he didn't drive it off a cliff. He drove it into a cliff because he crashed. And anyways, Because you don't crash when you drive off a cliff. Just safely float into. That's what they did in the movie. Yeah. That's the that's the end of the movie, right? Yeah, they landed yeah. on the moon. It's like Greece, the ending of Greece. You, yeah, exactly. Didn't you know that? Yeah, they float away. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. Um, <laughs> if you haven't already, please give us a five star review on your podcast listening uh, application of your choice. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you can email us. You could email us. Cinephilia you could send us a D- DM in, on Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. You could. At Cinephilia Podcast is our Instagram handle. That's our Instagram handle. Uh, you could write us a, a hand drawn uh, note. We'll send us a you, Valentine. We'll give you Gaddy's address so you can place it in his mailbox. We'll send you Joe's work address. Yeah, to send send things. Um, otherwise, I uh, hope you had a great Valentine's Day. Hope you enjoyed this movie. If you haven't watched it, please, for the love of God, watch it and see what um, good filmmaking is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Good night. Yeah.